You are listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? Day six here at FilmQuest, sort of going over the hump. Uh, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about, but before we do, whew, your boy barely got that one out. Before we do, um, I just got to remind you that this wouldn't be possible without the support of our good friends over at Puget System. Now, if you're somebody that uh, is an editor, maybe you're um, a musician, maybe you're doing uh, sound work, maybe you're playing around with VR stuff or Void stuff, and you just need a new computer. So many of us need to buy new machines every time there's a software update. Drives me crazy. Suddenly, I'm in the middle of a timeline, I'm editing, and then automatically there's an update and I can't even run the footage real time anymore. Drives me nuts. And I was sick and tired of having to throw out computers that I was still paying off. So I jumped ship and I started to work on PCs again. And I know PCs have a bad reputation from, I would say, the early 2000s, but it's different now. PCs are great. You can run all the same software that you use on an Apple or a Mac on a PC, and it's cheaper, more affordable, and the market for it is a hell of a lot more competitive. That means all the parts that you put inside of a machine, their prices drop immediately. And you're not buying a new machine that has all their parts welded to the motherboard, Meaning that when it, that new software update comes out and you need a better uh, memory stick or you need a better graphics card, you got to throw that thing into the fucking ocean. You know what I'm saying? So check out PugetSystems.com. These guys build the best uh, editing computers that I've ever used. I cut all my stuff on them. And here's what I love about this company. They have real tech support real people that know you. When you actually buy a computer from Puget Systems, they send you a folder with pictures and Instagram handles of everybody that actually assembled the machine. So you know each and every person that put their hands on that machine. Plus they like shoot the computer with predator vision so you can see how the heat goes through. It's pretty rad. Uh, it's the coolest thing in the world. You feel like you join a family when you buy a computer from Puget Systems. Here's what's cool. If you go to PugetSystems.com now, you can purchase a machine based upon the software material you use. So you go there, choose your software, and they'll tell you a baseline system to start with, but here's what's important. They want to talk to you. They want to know what it is that you're doing. They want to know what your computer is for, and they will help you spend the money the best way possible. A lot of people think that if you buy the newest, latest, greatest graphics card on the market, it'll make things run better. That actually doesn't happen. Oftentimes, those cards are more built for gaming. So if you're that nerd in your basement and your mom can't kick you out of her house, then yeah, you're probably really excited about the new graphics card that is released on the marketplace. But me as a video editor, I just don't want it to fuck up my shit. I want to make sure that my timelines run seamless. I want to make sure that my timelines run without hesitation or pause. And if you're an editor and a filmmaker, you all know that it's all about pacing. So there's nothing worse than when you hit play and at half second pauses and you're trying to figure out whether or not you have to shave off three frames or five frames to make your movie the best thing in the fucking world. It drives me nuts. Here's the deal. We cut Come Home, our film, on a Puget system. We shot that on Airy Mini LF with these awesome anamorphic prime lenses from Atlas. Uh, I had 25 layers of real-time uh, video playback plus about 65 to 85 layers of audio effects underneath it. And I never had a hesitation and I never had a crash. So if that's not a sales pitch, the cool thing about all the filmmakers that come on our show, I think Puget Systems is offering deals for folks as well. So if you guys are interested in a new edit machine, you should definitely check it out. 
Puget Systems. Thank you guys, because without you, we wouldn't be staying in this castle. So much appreciated. Wish you were here. And uh, yeah, that's it. So let me, uh, let's see, how are we going to start the show? Oh, let's go classic today. Here we go. Uh, let's start it up. Get some sexy guitars in a second. Every time. It's so good. Every time, dude. Betamax. It Abyss. makes me want to play guitar every time. This is like, whenever I hear this song, I feel like I'm in a Tony Scott movie and Chris Isaac is just sitting in a bar <laughs> drinking a coffee. Like, that's what this song is to me. Or like a David Lynch sequence. Yeah. This is what this song is. It's just, hold on, let's play it again. Hold on. Or if your parents like hired the cure for your bar mitzvah, that's what this is. All right, all right, enough, enough masturbatory song stuff. <laughs> We're here, day six. I'm here with Lance, who wasn't here yesterday. I'm back, bitches. I mean, I'm not saying the show was better without you, but I'm, you know, I'm just saying. It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you yesterday? How come you weren't on uh, the fucking show? There was a casting workshop, um, and there was a casting director out of L.A., so I thought, you know, this would be a really good opportunity to go. I'm constantly in class training, working on my shit, so I said, let me go over here and get in front of this casting director since he's based in L.A. This would be a good way to, to build a relationship there, so maybe I can get called up for some stuff because I don't have reps or managers. Anyone listening, mm -hmm. if you're looking for somebody, mm -hmm. I'm available. Mm -hmm. um, and so I went in and took the class, and uh, yeah. Yeah. How do we feel about it? Let's ask this question. How honest do we want to be on this show about things with that? F to be gracious, I won't name the guy. Okay, here we go. I'm, getting ready. I'm getting, ready. getting ready. I'm rolling in. Here we go. I think uh, one thing that I, I draw issue with is, like, I, look, I understand, you know, what, what it feels like to be in a position where you're dealing with actors and you're not the actor. Um, I also get how fucking annoying we can be, how pretentious we can be, how egotistical we can be which also just sounds like everybody else in our business at a certain point, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. There's going to be good and bad no matter what. Yeah. What gets on my nerves is going to a space where there's someone who's in a leadership position and they're 
literally to offer information uh, and sort of a little bit of guidance. And they, you can, you start to pick up on a bit of a, because uh, actors, it's like, ah, well, you don't need to fucking like box the same with this shitty attitude. So like, he was this like, isn't the space for it. So he was rolling his eyes and sort of like being put out by dealing with actors. But he also works. That's his. That's his fucking gig. Is that he? Does. Yeah, and like, and I'm not saying like he shouldn't feel that way. I just think that's not the that's not the format. That's not the stage for it in that moment. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and apparently, also, I have a really generic name. <laughs> that's right. Which is fucking note. great. I was like, okay. So he was saying... Find like, a way to stand out more. All right. Find a way to stand out more because your name My is name's generic. too generic. Well, did he know that your name isn't just Lance Williams? Did he know that yeah. your name is Lance A. Williams? Yeah, I was like, but if you had my initial, it's special. Yeah, yeah. Also, I was like, how many fucking Lances do you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so the, the whole... And I, and I enjoyed the doing the reading, um, and I enjoyed... Uh, so like the feedback he gave me was really good. Uh, it also blows my mind seeing how ill-prepared, and I see this even in class back in LA, how ill-prepared people are sometimes for, for these classes. And then it's, you know, the gold standard should be that you are off book. Mm-hmm. If it's an audition, if it's a workshop, if you're shooting, the, the idea of walking into a space and being like, I'll just read it off my phone or I'll just read it off my sides and I don't see how you connect to that. Because for me, even holding the sides is, it's a distraction. Hold on, hold on. Because there's a lot of people listening to the show that don't work in our industry. So yeah. off book means that you've memorized. Fully memorized. You have your choices locked in. And you're, you're ready and willing to play and try different stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be necessarily fully married to something where you can't get out of it or try anything else. But you want to know those words front and back so well that when the director or somebody says, let's try this like this, you're like, yeah, I can say this shit however the fuck you want because I know it that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would say a good like 75% of the time, that's just not, people just not prepared. Yeah. I mean, and, that's, yeah. that's how you, I mean, that's an easy way of weeding folks out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. ultimately, yeah. when you're looking for stuff. Look, let me just say this right now because I, you know, I don't want to shit talk anything. Like, uh, I think it's great that Film Course is doing it. And there aren't many festivals that put these type of things together. Yeah. Bring much people love in doing that. And they give you the opportunity and they give actors the opportunity to try to get advice from stuff. Mm-hmm. But you also still have to remember that, uh, you know, this guy's, I don't know who this guy was, but this guy's just sort of coming in almost as a favor. Maybe he's getting mm-hmm. paid, but he's coming in to do something and he's not going to offer anybody a role or a position yeah. right on the spot. Yeah, and absolutely. so it, the only thing that you can hope to take out of a situation like that mm-hmm. is that you show up, you do it. Maybe you make a connection, yeah. even though he was kind of like, it's not about connections, which was kind of weird. Yeah. And, and I think based on my experience in the business, the idea that, you do not find success through building relationships with casting directors or that's sort of quote a side doorway in um in in a way that seems a bit salacious i think that's factually inaccurate it's like well i mean let's be more real i think it's bullshit yeah i think think any way that you get into this business is the relationships that you have yeah and this business is a friendship business whether or not Mm -hmm. we like it or not like yeah it doesn't matter who you are when you get in there you've spent a lot of time building your friends building trust around your friends and your crew and your team, and those are the people that you're going to turn to first. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can get in front of the casting director and start to build that relationship, and they want to call you in for stuff, even before you have the reps and everything, my agency in Boston came out of me going in with my acting coach to an audition, uh, like a little open call. They liked me. They kept calling me in for stuff. And then one of the casting directors was like, you're fucking good. Like, you, sh- you need an agent. Let me refer you to this guy and see if they'll sit down with you. Yeah. And that's led to all the work I've done. So, I mean... There is absolutely, and there's plenty of people that have that same story. So I think to say that that's a, 
a shady route or side dooring or not suggested or not preferred, I, I just flat out disagree with it. Fuck that. Yeah. And I think if you can find a way to make a relationship and it's beneficial to, to both of you, make the relationship. Yeah. 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 I agree with you, man. And so I think it's important that we talk about that on the show. Yeah. Just because, look, you, you bring in people, you bring in folks that talk on panels and stuff. And it's just an opinion-based thing. For sure. Oftentimes. And I think it's great that they did it. And it mm-hmm. gives everybody an opportunity. But yeah. uh, And maybe that guy doesn't like that process, which is fine, you know, for yeah. him and his office. I just think that it's... I don't want people to come away from... The, the actors to come away from that experience in the festival and think when they go back to LA, okay, I should never do that. No, no it is. No. You can do that. It is possible. That's how their office feels. It doesn't reflect the opinion of every office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is business, whether or not you like it or not, mm-hmm. it's about who you know. Mm-hmm. It really is. Um, well, that's cool that you went and did that. Yeah, it was great, man. That's great. That's Fun cool that scene. they offered that thing up. And yeah. then did you perform? Yeah, we had to do, um, they gave us a bunch of different scenes to pick from. We pick one that resonates with us most. So I did one. It was a, a guy and his girl debating on whether they made the right mo- decision to move to their new apartment. And um, it was based off of a movie, The Seven Steps of Enlightenment, or Seven Steps of Achieving Enlightenment. It's something from a few years back. Taika Waititi plays like a cult leader. I watched the trailer. It looked funny as shit, which helped to kind of gain the tone of what the script was. But clever little piece. It was nice. Nice, man. Were you too performative? <laughs> no, no. This time I, 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 I reeled it back in. I usually like to like just like fucking send it all the way and then like, all right, they'll just like reel me back in. But this one I was like, it also because like one guy went up um, before me who was doing the same scene. So I got to like piggyback off all his notes. I was like, Word. Okay, cool, cool. Got it, got it, got it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, are you going to go up now? I was like, oh, I'm going to sit back for a little bit and mm-hmm. put a little people, a few people between us. That mm-hmm. way it's not like, oh, he's doing what he did. Yeah. yeah. I was like, no, I can need a little time to think. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, too, what's great about uh, them setting that up is that, was there an audience? Was it was it directors in the audience? No, no, which I, I, it would have been really cool had that oh, been the case. Lame. But I, I also that understand was. that their screening's going on, right? Yeah. And like, those filmmakers, like, I'm going to go fucking watch my thing on the screen. I don't want to see you dickheads do monologues totally get that yeah um so what you really look at is you know like when you work with the other actors in there a lot of times things can come out of that right where yeah. an actor really enjoys your performance and they come up to you like hey man i really liked what you did today blah, blah, blah. and maybe later on in life that could be something you're just you're just planting seeds and then moving on that's cool man well it's cool that you did it yeah um you know you going and doing that just proves that i i don't need you on the show though that was unfortunate you do need me in the movie though <laughs> so work on the scales all right. Well, we have guests here today. We're loaded. The place is loaded with some cool people, cool films. Uh, and uh, we're going to go through one at a time here, and uh, we're going to meet everybody. So tell me who you are, what your film is. And you know what? You guys can bring that mic up. Yeah, I think it's, it's dropped really low. Yeah, stand by. <laughs> yeah, bring that guy up. Adjust that. There you go. And you can tighten it here. There we go. Stand by. And go ahead. You're in. Hi everyone, so I'm Rachel, we are here with a short film called The Girl with the Haunted Vagina, which I produced alongside the lovely person next to me, uh, written by Rachel Tukey, directed by Samantha O'Rourke and starring the spectacular Sophie Duker. It's a very silly little horror comedy uh, that has a really fun kind of take on religion and kind of sexual shame. Uh, So you see our lead trying to achieve climax uh, and every time she gets close, 
uh, her childhood <laughs> priest haunts her uh, and kind of slut shames her and puts her off a bit. So it's a very fun, like nice little structure of attempts to orgasm, attempts to overcome ghost. And uh, I don't want to spoil the ending for you, but it has a happy ending. Uh, and yeah, it's, oh, a good, nice. it's a good little film. It's a good little film. <laughs> I think uh, you understood that it has a very happy, very happy ending. Um, my name is Katie Bonham and I was the co-producer on The Girl with the Haunted Vagina. Um, and I also write and direct my own projects as well. Great. But that was a great explanation. I don't think I have anything else to say. How did you? So how did you guys uh, convince uh, young Russell Crowe to play uh, the priest in that? (laughs) (laughs) We were very, very blessed with a very sexy Welsh man to come in and uh, and play our sexy priest. Because yeah, there was a lot of chat early on in development about how attractive the ghost should be. Yeah. Uh, Because obviously, if you have like a really old creepy guy, it very much changes the tone of the short. Yeah. Uh, Like the chemistry between the two of them is uh, is very important. But yeah, it was actually our director uh, is one of those people where she just if she sees someone that's talented it will like be buried in the back of her brain yep. uh, and they must have worked together like what you were saying about how kind of these connections pay off later in life they must have worked mm. together about five years ago and they were on separate shows at this same theater uh, and we kind of got to the point where we were like we need to have like flea bag sexy priest vibes like what mm. can we do <laughs> yeah. um, and then sam turned to me and was like oh my god i know who it is uh, and we found this like self tape that he'd done a few years ago and it was just him straight to camera doing some Shakespeare. And it was like, even through the laptop, I was like, oh my God, this is one of the most charismatic yeah. readings I've ever seen. Um, and we just straight offered him, which he was very flattered by um, because we were just like, this is it. Like, this is the guy. Uh, and yeah, there's a there's a really great line in the film where uh, <laughs> they're fighting over a vibrator. Uh, there's gonna be some dildo chat on this podcast, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they're fighting over a vibrator and he kind of waves it at her as he like angrily disappears saying like, the devil appeared to Eve as a serpent. And that in his Welsh lyrical accent. Oh my God. Yeah. The first time we heard it at the read through, I was like, oh, it couldn't have been anyone else uh, so yeah we were very blessed with a great cast yeah very cool i can't wait to talk more about it what's up man how are we doing yeah my name's rich um i am the dop for the short film the heritage oh yeah um yeah which uh i've, I've been doing like quite a few like talks at festivals for this so i have to try and like, impersonate my director yeah. uh, <laughs> try and get inside his skin trying to figure out what what he was doing with it but it's basically um a guy who's being adopted, searches for his parents. And he finds, uh, he finds his dad after he's just found out that his mom committed suicide. Mm. And when he, when he finally gets the courage to let go and see his dad in the house, he's like, he is not what he thought he would be. He's, uh, he's kind of on that like society level of like gross, disgusting blob. Um, (laughs) And not only that, he's a complete dick. (laughs) <laughs> and there's a lot of weird weird shit going on in that house and it just does not end well for anyone mm. very cool anyway. so, you, so you shot the, you shot the film huh? yeah man yeah shot it um, oh yeah another thing actually it's on Hulu um, oh is it oh. it's part of uh, Bite Size Horror season oh. 3 oh cool. very so cool it's, uh, yeah, it's on that anthology so actually that's, that's one of the, the cool things about being in the States is that when I say this to people in the UK they're like oh sweet I, I can't watch that but obviously over here you guys you've got uh, that's just on your telly so you can just click that on right now yeah very cool man um, congratulations on that man thank you very much yeah, yeah yeah it was amazing it was really really cool we got to work with like an amazing sfx guy uh, a guy called dan martin who has a company called 13 fingers over in the uk and he's done like human centipede 2 possum um infinity pool like he's done some amazing stuff and, oh very uh, cool he really really pushed the boat out for this this blob okay infinity pool is that the uh cronenberg's kid right yeah brandon cronenberg's oh very new cool film, yeah. right on man yeah i'm a big fan of his stuff yeah we'll, we'll talk more about it in a sec cool, cool. let's move on man hold on let me just 
Oh, we're swapping headphones. Nice. Hello. There you are. There you are. Sexy voice. Thank you. <laughs> I apologize. I uh, I have an allergy cough, so I might be coughing, but uh, I'm... You'll be coughing I'm, in a sexy voice. So I'm, no one at home I'm will still, I'm still functioning. Yeah. <laughs> It'll sound better than any of our coughs. There you go. <laughs> What's up, man? Hello. Uh, I'm good. What's up with you? <laughs> What's your name? What's your film? Uh, I'm Nicholas Acosta. Uh, my film is Alone, mm-hmm. and I'm the uh, writer, director, and editor, and vfx artist of it oh so you did the vfx too huh yes yes we just watched it this morning great yeah, movie yeah. beautiful movie thank you it was gorgeous thank you. yeah yeah it, it was a it was a weird situation of throwing that together within less than a month oh <laughs> a year oh, ago actually uh this past like early this month nice, we nice. started what's the film about <laughs> um uh, it's hard to always like to it i always like just look at the the youtube one uh the the link the, the description mm. i said but basically um uh, uh, after, after uh, uh, chaotic. Oh my God! Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> after a tragic uh, accident at a Mars research station, an uh, astronaut finds herself floating off into deep space in her um, escape pod, where she encounters a very otherworldly being. Okay, you did it. That's cool, man. That, uh, that yeah. just came to me right there. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it was really accurate. We just read it. I was reading it this morning, and I think the only difference was it was like mysterious being. Okay, like, there you go. Otherworldly, I like there that. There you go. That's you, saw, I... you elevated it. All yeah, right, yeah. let's edit this mysterious being. There you go. Fit <laughs> that in, and then it works perfectly. Yeah. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> damn it. These Puget uh, systems. <laughs> can't even use them. <laughs> All right, the shit's coming out already. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, it's gorgeous, dude. And it like, it looks like you were very clever. Uh, uh, I want to eventually get into a conversation about just sort of the production design and the propage and all that mm. stuff, which I think is really great. And then uh, a lot of the uh, VFX is uh, really fucking well done. Mm-hmm. You know? Thank you. Like the you know the floating shit in space and even the outside of the spaceship itself. Oh and yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So really, really fucking cool. Um, is how, is this your first film, or is this have you been De- films? Definitely not my first film. I have, I'm not exaggerating when exaggerating when I say I've made over a hundred films. What is I've made over a hundred short films uh, since I've been making films since I was twelve years old. Uh, mind you, not all of them are great, but mm-hmm. I have quite a few. I've entered a few festivals. Uh, this film itself was made for a contest, the Jacob Owens uh, Horror Short Film Contest. Uh, of last year and we won we won first place we won a red komodo which was really cool oh right um <clears throat> Shit. and you know prior to that i'd i've been entering film festivals contests uh just making shorts because i want to uh during the pandemic my wife and i um made a bunch of short films in our apartment and then as soon as people started getting vaccinated we've made this big epic action michael bay car chase movie uh called the pickup which we're trying to get into festivals right now um <clears throat> Whoa, 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 okay, that sounds yeah. fascinating. Yeah. So, were you working with uh, stunt stunt teams and stunt drivers and all that stuff? N- no, <laughs> we don't have the money for that. No, we just, we just uh, very much like what we did with this film, uh, plan things out very well, very uh, uh, close close to the chest, uh, and make sure that everything is safe. Uh, we find workarounds. Um, also, like as you said, I, having a bit of a visual effects background kind of helps. So you um, like, transformed yeah. your Prius into like a 1978 Camaro? Uh, Honda Civic, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I got excited. Excuse me. Prius. I may be LA, but I'm not that LA. You got those car nerds watching you going, I don't think the interior is factory on that thing. Right. <laughs> Very strange. No, but actually, I, I literally took my Honda Civic, which is like a 2012, and my dad's Honda Civic, which is like 
new 2019 2018 probably even 2020 and it was all blue and everything and i borrowed it on weekends and we just shot this whole like car chase movie that actually looks like a michael bay movie i might say uh modestly myself nice <laughs> nice but yeah, yeah. Cool. did you do the old michael bay trick where you're blasting light into some reflective uh piece of uh, mirror and then shooting close-ups of them driving with the um of course yeah <laughs> i really did like i studied his films and basically but you know that that's what i do is like i get overly detailed about things i'm like a a mix between like fincher like you know planning yeah. but also like michael bay kind of like oh that just looks cool yeah. <laughs> you know so yeah, it's, as, he, as he says yeah. bam or whatever he fucking calls it <laughs> uh we didn't get to do that shot sadly sadly yeah, we didn't cool. do that one but well uh, if you do get to do that shot then maybe red will make you uh, a camera that looks like your sneakers because then you'll have the michael there you bay go camera. i mean yeah. let's again let's get marketing on that let's try to <laughs> get them to, to sponsor me all right, cool. Well, happy to meet everybody here. Um, so what I'd like to do here, let's let's talk a little bit about let's talk a little bit of, because we have producers in the room, we have a we have a DOP in the room and we have a director in the room that seems to be doing everything and putting everything together. We could just make a film right now. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I got a camera right here. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, he did show up with his camera. Wait, is actually isn't this how Tusk starts? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And that's uh, Black Magic. We'll get into that on the ad reads. Um, so let's talk about this. Let's talk about um, how you guys are able to bring movies together on the budgets that you have. Like, well, You don't have to give me exact numbers, but what was the budget range on the Haunted Vagina movie? Um, so obviously this is going to be very confusing because uh, I could only do it in English money. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we were... We got about 6K less than we wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And then we spent all our money on Sophie Duca. Yeah. Uh, excellent decision. She's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> best, best decision we made. But yeah. But yeah, we must have been... I think we were aiming for somewhere between 10 and 15K. And we went a tiny bit over. And we were very over on our festival strategy. But yeah. it's very nice yeah. to be here. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, somewhere in the... I'd say it's like... Yeah, it wasn't micro budget. It's like mid mid budget yeah would you get yeah. so would you guys get your financing uh so there's a film financing uh kind of scheme in england called the british film institute so uh. they fund uh we're very lucky to get it they fund they get so many applications they can only fund about we did the maths on it didn't we? it's about three percent of so every every um kind of time they run it they only fund 25 projects in the entirety of the uk so that's usually kind of five projects like per region. Mm-hmm. It's also super, wild. super like hard to get for a genre film as well. Yeah, because like, they're not big on horror, mm, which is mm-hmm, tricky. Yeah. And we went in with horror and comedy. So I we know. double build it. Double uh, whammy. Um, <laughs> Plus so you also showed up with a vagina in the title when you went. <laughs> yes, it. it was. Yeah. Yeah. The BFI yeah. is not big on vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> they are now. Uh, um, so we, we, we were really lucky. We didn't actually have the stats though until afterwards. And then when I realized, I said to Rachel, I was like, holy shit, we were really lucky to get this money. Yeah. Um, mm. So, so yeah, yeah, they kind of do like about 25, but yeah, we were, we were pretty lucky to get that money to make this film. And that, is that a government film funding that comes in for that? So it's like, is it? Is I think it's kind of, so there's an institution called Arts Council England and then we have like a national lottery and it's kind of the two of them finance a certain amount. Yeah. So it's, sort of governmenty i think yeah um but yeah no it's uh they have like a certain pool of money every year and actually they don't like vaginas they don't like genre uh and it's also hard if you're kind of over a certain length because obviously they can fund more five minute shorts yeah. than they mm. can 
I think our original draft was uh, 16 pages. And that was the other thing was we we really rushed the application because I, I met the writer and I was like, I heard the title and was like, this is incredible. Uh, and the next funding round closes in about a month. So we also somehow managed to go, here is an early draft of this script, but we have a script editor attached and we will be cutting this down to as close to 10 pages as possible if you give us the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fact that we also somehow managed to beat the odds with a draft is like, mm-hmm. I still, I feel really, really lucky that we managed to do that. Yeah, because, um, sorry, I, yeah, I would say that like, the BFI, they like things to be ready, good to go, no worked on on it, please, mm. you know? So they like things like ready to hit the ground. So I think we're really lucky that they were open to like development and kind of like cutting the script mm-hmm. back and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have to say a lot of these things as well, because it's one of those things where so few people get financed that especially back in the UK, we will have people like randomly email us and reach mm-hmm. out on social media, uh, especially when a funding round is coming up and they're kind of like, we've seen Haunted Vagina, like how did you, how yeah. did you do this? Um, and I think a big part of it is we were really, really lucky uh, with kind of, I think the person that read the script, uh, they kind of attached an exec producer and they were so on board and invested in the vision. Um, and they were like everyone in our office, we passed it around and we all just thought it was like the funniest thing and we'd never seen anything like it. Uh, so I think like, yeah, there's an understanding in the UK that they're, they're more difficult for genre and comedy and stuff. But I think with the execs that we got, they were really on board and understood the vision. So yeah, we felt really lucky. Which, uh, which region was it from the UK? Uh, say Midlands. Midlands. Yeah. So we're like a, a Midlands slash Wales based uh, production company, but this one was through through Midlands, um, and we shot and spent the money locally as well yeah. in the Midlands. Yeah. Is that part one. of the deal? Is you have to spend it in certain areas? No. So you don't have to. But um, in the UK, gosh, this is getting really boring and regional. No, no, no. <laughs> it's interesting. I'm fascinated. Uh, in the UK, uh, there's been a problem certainly for like, especially the last kind of ten to twenty years of like a lot of uh, arts or creative investment is purely in the south and in London Mm. Uh, so it's something that we're all very passionate about because all of us live outside London um, and we're very much like if we get money for a region we will spend it in that region because we think that's the fairest thing to do yeah and I think I would say as well for the application they love that if they know that you're going to shoot in that certain region put the money back in hire local crew as best as possible you know and kind of repump that money in I think it definitely helps in the application which totally Mm. makes sense because they're trying to kind of branch out of London so I think it's funny because it used to be really good to be in London and the Southwest. I'm sorry, the Southeast when you used to do applications like years ago, but now they're really pushing for like other regions. So you've mm. kind of got a better chance. And because obviously London and Southeast is so oversaturated with creatives, yeah. like their applications, you know, I would say probably BFI get about like what, like two, 3000 applications every round and they're funding 25 projects. It's crazy. So it's a lot. It's a lot of like, it's a lot of competition. Do you feel like in London that there's the push for like indie film and shorts or that kind of market is strong or sort of in contest with so like theater? Cause I understand for like for there, for London theater is like a massive thing. Uh, but do you think that like it's more of a transitioning into like getting to be more of independent films? Um, well, I mean, the I would say that the, the, there's a, Arts Council England. They are much more interested in funding theatre, mm. so there are kind of two separate funding strands at least. Okay. Um, I mean, it's tricky because theatre is obviously wildly popular, um, and I would say like all the film schools are in, the, you know, consider what the best ones are are also in London. So I think mm. London is kind of oversaturated with this level of creativity of people yeah. trying to get money. Um, so I think being outside of London is definitely, definitely easier to kind of get some money. Mm. I, I think, you know, I yeah, hope anyway. Yeah. Um, but the, I think just creatively, it's brilliant because it's the hub there and you've got everything there that you need. Mm-hmm. But when you're really kind of trying to grab something, kind of put something together, yeah, it's, yeah. It, yeah. it's t- you know, it's, it's a positive and a negative. 
And you said uh, you were talking about the screenwriter. How'd you find the script? Where'd the script come from? Um, so it was one of those like uh, really chance meetings. Um, I signed up for a random networking event. It was still very COVID-y in the UK at that time. So it was over Zoom. Um, and it was almost like a sort of speed dating thing, wasn't it? Because that was actually how we met as well. And how we ended up working together was through the same event. And I met the I met the writer, like you did like a little, it was almost like a dating profile. Like you put your picture up and you'd say what you'd made, what you were interested in making. Uh, so I was just following everyone who was very into female-led stories, feminist issues, social imagery, uh, social, bleh, social issues and mm-hmm. genre pieces, uh, especially comedy, because I'm obsessed with comedy. I consume a lot of comedy. I think we all need it in this day and age. <laughs> all need a laugh. And yeah, met also called Rachel, met Rachel. And Rachel was telling me about another project, which sounded really great. It was an adaptation of a theatre piece, actually. But she then said the famous words of, I also have a really early draft of something called The Girl with the Haunted Vagina. (laughs) And I lit up like a puppy dog. And she saw my face over the Zoom and went, I feel like you're more interested in that. And I was like, I'm interested in both, but please tell me everything about this. Because I've never heard a short film title like, even like just reaching out to crew, like as I said, we got less money than we wanted. So we, we were paying people, we were paying people minimum wage, but we couldn't go above that. Sure, so it's sure. quite a hard sell. But that being said, as soon as people said, what's the project? And you said, it's called The Girl with the Haunted Vagina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People were immediately like, oh my God, yes, I will come and do this. This sounds amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, it just was such a good title. And then I read the script. I sat down with a cup of coffee uh, and I very rarely laugh out loud when I read stuff like I can see how it would be funny sure but like there's just I keep I feel like such a narcissistic person when I keep quoting the film but it's like um the bit where soft boy is really angry with her and says it's not because your vagina is haunted it's because you lied um I was at I was at my family's house and they knew I was working and they just heard me like snorting like laughing upstairs (laughs) they were like well I was like I can't even I don't even know how to explain it like just the the script so yeah there are a lot of golden golden lines like that in there and, and yeah thankfully uh rachel trusted us and i think we delivered yeah. a really really strong version of the film i'm i'm very it's rare that i'm very happy with my work but with this one it has just been a joy hasn't it to yeah. share it with people it was fun it was funny we were yeah. laughing downstairs we loved it when we watched the last night There's oh thank you so much line, um, what is that line he says something about my mother always says if you want to satisfy a woman you something oh her pleasure her ambition, pleasure ambition. <laughs> god the salute the delivery is and so then, good yeah, and then it's the little salute as yeah well. yeah he was great uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the salute yeah. was not in the script so uh we've actually known deck uh declan baxter who plays soft boy i've known him since he was like 15 and was this young talented boy who one day hoped to be an actor and he's doing fucking incredible things now yeah. mm. uh he's just done a feature that was like one of uh, dave which is a big channel in the uk it was like their big new year's eve feature film that they put on and stuff like mm. that it's so great to see his talent being recognized um but when I first read the script, I said to Rachel, I was like, we will produce this, but we are bringing our own soft boy. Because all I could see was Deck, because I knew he would perfectly capture. Because it still has to be like, you have to understand why she wants to have sex with him. Sure. Because mm-hmm. the lines are fucking weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, I was like, Deck can like match this balance of like being that bizarre, but also still feeling attractive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, that that salute, because we had a closed set for the intimate scene. So I didn't see that until I literally got to the edit and kind of saw the rushes and i i was like i just have to take five minutes outside the room guys like i can't it's the noise with it i mean just yeah it's we're on the virtual pass for film quest watch the film if you didn't catch us live it's just it's a very enjoyable 12 minutes but yeah he's he's brilliant i love how much you love your movie 
thank you. It's great. It's yeah. great to hear you. You guys are like, they're just beaming right now. It's all smiles. <laughs> it's really nice that the you guys British are British people look happy. This isn't what we've heard. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the sunshine outside? Is that what's doing it? Oh, Do you know what? Yeah. You have no idea. I went, I went for a run yesterday and it was a joy. It was a joy. Uh, beaming sunshine. I could have run all day. It was gorgeous. We love it here. It's still you your... You don't want to go home. In, in, in Utah, though, it's still your weather. It's still like your temperature, apparently. <laughs> oh, it's colder. It's colder here. Yeah. And then Never there's mind. no sun. It's just rain. We're in like, we're in the autumn dip. So then rain. this is your summer. Yes. Yeah. We'll stay here. Thank sure. you. Yeah. This is t-shirt weather for us. I'm going to get my swimsuit out in a minute. Well, let me move on here, Rich. So uh, why, why um, cinematography? For me? Yeah, dude. Oh, I don't know, man. I've been, uh, I've been doing it for like 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to my man Nick here. Like, did it when I was a kid. Just ran around with a camera and stuff. Always been a bit of a photographer, but like not a good one. <laughs> but cinematography is a little bit like not easier, but it's cooler. Like, yeah. you can make things look cooler with a camera that moves. Yeah, and sound and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah I've, that's always been that's always been the thing. Was it uh, so? When you started, did you go to school for it? Or is it a self-taught thing? Like how did it play out for you? Yeah, yeah. Like um, I did it at college, did it at university, left university, and then I set up a production company with some of my friends. Um, and I've been working on that for like the last 13 years. Nice. Um, so yeah. yeah what kind of stuff do you guys normally do to so keep we, the office open? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we make documentaries mainly, mm-hmm. um, commercials, like branded content as like a, as like a day to day, but the like, yeah, feature length docs and, uh, and short films is like where we're kind of heading. Mm-hmm. Well, feature films would be obviously the end goal, but mm-hmm. shorts for now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had a company that we were doing that for a while too. We were doing a lot of like mini docs is what we call them over here. And so we running around, we were doing stuff for like UFC fighters and shit. Mm. You, you end up learning a lot about it. I think the thing that really excited me about, well, I I had a love hate relationship with documentaries. So like what I love about it is that I'm obsessed with people that are obsessed with doing things. So like there's a specific task, something that they really like to do. You visually, I like to capture what that obsession is and how that plays out. So if you're like falling around a chef, uh, you guys having trouble with that stand? It's being so a bit. A little bit of a minor. No, 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 no. Yeah. If it's spinning, it's, it's the lower guy. Yeah, there you go, boss. So if you're filming like a chef, I'm obsessed with like the repetition, how he moves his hands, mm-hmm. what his what his process is. If you're filming like a fighter, I'm obsessed with like somehow the conditioning that you have to have your face get smashed in all the time. Mm. You know what I mean? And so um, the thing that I uh, didn't like about doing documentaries, because I shot a few feature-length documentaries as a cinematographer myself, I started that way, um, was that you end up getting really, really, really close with these people, and Mm. then the the lines get blurred when you're in post-production. And like if you're going to take... Uh, an honest piece and try to sell an honest piece to a streamer then the streamer is like where's the drama and then you're sort of dealing with that sort of thing so mm-hmm. i felt the morals of, of at least modern day documentaries really made me go yeah i gotta get out of here i don't know if you feel the same way well yeah i mean like i think cinematographers for sure get like real close to talent um like in documentaries for sure you're with them like every day like you're usually like in the car when they're driving and their bedrooms when they're getting changed like all that stuff but uh same, and same with like when you're working on narrative stuff as well like you know you're always in the room you're always next to them close-ups are real close-up like mm-hmm. uh the goo's right there when you <laughs> when that blood and gore yeah. is like hitting them yeah. it's probably hitting you too mm-hmm. um so yeah yeah you do you build like from pretty like strong relationships with like a lot of crew as like a cinematographer or a camera operator and things like that um 
there's we've been like doing sports documentaries really um and i think just just the team that i work with has been has been amazing in terms of like being able to carry that narrative Mm -hmm. by using what i captured but I took a very big step back when it comes to like actually creating the story. Yeah. But it's also interesting, right? If you're going to be a good documentary uh, cinematographer, you're not just looking through the eyepiece. I found that I was often like looking through an eyepiece with my other eye open because I'm also trying mm-hmm. to see what's happening in that space. And it's, you're essentially the first, you're the first audience member to watch that film, essentially. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. 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 And, and, you, and you capture the bits that like people don't know. Well, you never know what's going to happen in a documentary, right? So you're, right. you're there to just capture what's happening. And you've got to like just eyeball it. Every yeah. time you're there, just yeah. like, oh, what's that? Gonna run for it. Yeah. yeah. And, do you, and do you find that you have to follow your gut instincts for things? Like sometimes, like oftentimes when I would shoot, I'd be tasked with shooting a specific thing that was happening, but I would follow my gut and just go, I know you guys are either going to love or hate me for this in the edit, but whoosh, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. 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 No, it's, 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 it's a really interesting, like a uh, different method of filming, really. When you go from like doing narrative work where like, you plan, you, yeah. you light, like you block, like you rehearse and it's like, and then you shoot it. It's like, actually when you come to shooting it, that's like 5% of everything that's gone into that one shot. But with documentaries, like the exact reverse, it's like yeah. you're there, you're prepared to a point and then everything else is like ad lib, <laughs> yeah. ad hoc, like try and figure it out. Yeah. Um, which like both of them have like super awesome uh, payoffs Yeah. When you, when you, when you do them right or, or when you, you know, if you plan something in a narrative thing and then you like you just completely like switch it on the day and it turns out amazing awesome and in documentary yeah. if you're just there and you plan to a point and then something completely different happens and you capture that too thought it's fucking yeah cool, it's wild how it's two different vibes really and then it's i found that when i was shooting docs i, I almost felt like a nature photographer where like you're you you're embedded and I, I like what you said we are in the front lines when you're in that thing you're mm-hmm. you're squeezing in next to those folks if you're shooting with like a real wide lens and then you get this rush where you're just you feel like you're living their life with them vicariously through them which is really great so true yeah as opposed to when you were doing because i'm very much a very planned out you were talking about being a fincher uh guy i'm the same way i'll storyboard everything i put everything together and so when we finally get to set these days although for our piece i shot it because out of necessity Mm -hmm. our cinematographer that i usually use wasn't available and i think you regret it right now buddy um but (laughs) also uh um i like to be as planned out as possible and being a cinematographer i know the language of a cinematographer i know how to talk to a person like that and so i think uh it really just sort of comes down to when you're shooting narrative and you turn on all those lights on the set, you have your plan and you, you know, you do your initial shot, at least for me, I'll, I'll walk in there and I'll light the whole space and I'll look at the monitor and go, man, this sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the initial plan that I had fucking sucks. And so then you're, you're there with your gaffer or someone that you really trust and you're like, how do we make this better? And they run around, I'm like, okay, shut off that, shut off that, shut off that. And, they, and as you start to turn lights off and then you bring filtration in and you change your angle and you do stuff and then you find this thing. And I've always said this, I always, I feel very fortunate and special if I'm the guy putting my eye on the lens piece, on the eyepiece, I get to look through into like this dimensional, like into this stargate, into this whole other world, and I'm the first guy that gets to see it. I think it's really fun to do it that way. Yeah, Yeah. I agree with that for sure. Yeah. Well, let's continue on here. Yes. So the dude that is shooting a hundred short films... (laughs) You make it sound like I'm doing it in a day. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, dude, you you open with that fucking brag. We got to dig right. into all this. All right, all right. Yeah. So, um, 
So are you shooting your stuff? Are you working with shooters? Like, you have a cinematographer? On this, I had a cinematographer. I usually prefer to have a cinematographer whenever possible. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was, you know, you don't make 100 short films with uh, uh without like having to pick up a camera by yourself from time to time so like when i first started i would do it all the time um and over the years i i got to a point where i i wanted to like bring someone in to a let some of the stress off but also get another point of view another mm-hmm. vision um <clears throat> like you know you're talking about like setting you know lights up and everything you're like oh this sucks and everything like i feel that all the time yeah when so that's why it's like you know when I, even though I hire a DP, when I had to hire them, uh, I still, I'm a very visual person. So I'm still like, whenever possible being like, all right, cool. Little, little less on the left, you know, uh, warm that up, you know, cool this down. You know, uh, I'm not liking this, you know, I'm still very much dictating a lot of that, but I'm always trying to collaborate with my DP who I always feel, uh, whoever they are, uh, who always I feel are better that, at my job than I am. That's the uh, move. You always hire up. That's the move. Yeah. And, and on this, I hired a, uh, a friend of mine who I I had DP'd a feature uh, f- back in 2018, and uh, he he was my gaffer on that, and I hired him because like even though like I can DP, there's that situation where it's like honestly I'm not as a I, I'm not that familiar with the technical kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean I am, but more kind of in the art artistic point of view. It's like okay, technically we can do this, make that look like this. Sure. But when they say like okay, let's bring uh you know this light, the it's the 47 Magnum, uh, uh, something, something. I'm like, sure. Does it, is it warm? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's yeah. get that one. Yeah, you know? right. I, I'm very much more kind of like right, right tool for the job. And he was more, he really understood like what the lights do, how they work and all that stuff. So I trusted him. So it's like, when it comes to him, I always say like, even when I was DP, he's a better DP than I. Sure. Am, so don't feel insecure about that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. We've had no, seriously, man. I've talked to some of the biggest. We just talked to a cinematographer for the creator before we showed up. I've talked to nice. like uh, I've had Greg Frazier on the show. Like all these guys, the, there are two different types of cinematographers, right? There are those guys out there that are incredibly technical and they know all the gear and they know all the stuff and they've got their hands into it. But I, as a director, actually prefer the alternate. I actually prefer cinematographers that are 100% focused on the language of cinema and the idea of coming with a toolbox to be able to convey and push emotion. Yeah. Um, and uh, those guys rely heavily on their team. And I think when I was a cinematographer, I would get a lot of credit for work that my gaffers and my key grips and all those guys would do for me. I think, and I've talked about this a lot, and Mike listens to the show, Mr. Mike Henry. Um, uh, he taught me so much about lighting and, and for those of you listening, and there's a lot of nerds listening to the show that like uh, to shoot cool images, everybody thinks lighting is about getting the right piece of equipment, like pulling that light off the truck, turning that light on, but it's not. It's about how you shape light. It's about how you control light. I mean, just the way we're all lit right now, the sun's bouncing off this couch and it's bouncing off that wall and all those things are really it, important. It's funny how you say that because like you said that you had the DP of the creator, uh, everyone's talking about the whole... Um, you know, shot on the FX3, you know, so, and everything. Yeah. So, and even so the fucking boring. And, and though that's cool in a lot of ways, uh, in its own way, um, even the DP said it's like, you know, the, the camera that is the least ex- uh, exciting thing about it. You know, right. it's it's not even so much even the lighting sometimes. It's the art direction. It's like, I've learned that over the past few years. It's like, you know, here I have, you know, this camera that I enjoy right, right in front of me. But, um, <clears throat> you know, and it could be the best or, you know, the 
actually a lot of people say it's not as good um but you know i've made films that look way better than it than than like a, a, a alexa off yeah. of this camera or this yeah. brand of camera or off an iphone yeah it's all about art direction lighting you know uh, 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 composition and all that stuff and that's what I'm always trying to uh, adhere to you, you yeah yeah well I was just going to completely echo that man like the, the creator thing is just really bugging me like yeah it's a three grand camera but it's an 80 million pound film yeah I, but it's still impressive though it's like I, I get excited about like it does create that uh, that mindset of like okay see guys you don't need a very expensive camera though that being said money does help sure and, but also, as they said, as uh, I said earlier, they came in with a plan. Sure. They came in with yeah. a plan. And that's, that's what I did on, on, so on this alone. Like, sure. we came in with a plan to very much shoot it in a way that it was like, hey, let's, uh, here's our shot list. Yeah. So that way we can make use of these mm-hmm. two days. And we only needed one day for a quick uh, uh, insert of the actress. But we used it as well as for like, you know, like a poster shot and get some inserts in here that but mm-hmm. we could have done without those more more or less. I just kind of wanted that one extra shot because we planned it. Yep. We planned every single moment to make sure that we can work a fast, efficient and on a budget. Yep. And that's the key to um, I feel good filmmaking, uh, especially on a low budget. Yeah. I mean, I wish we had like a, a state funded. Uh, yeah, yeah, it uh, doesn't uh, happen. Here. At the same time, I don't wish that because I'd probably know it would come through, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it would, you know, you do what you can. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. If you guys haven't heard the episode that I did with him, you should, uh, because I brought him in and every other place that, that they were talking, everybody's like, well, tell us about that fucking camera. And that's all that they were talking about. And we actually break it down completely differently. And I'm like, okay, tell me about the process of making that thing. Because, Everything, uh, I don't know, have you, have you guys seen the creator yet? No. No, no so it's pretty it cool. It's this really epic, epic, epic sci-fi that when you watch it, it feels like an embedded um, uh, drama. Mm-hmm. And they go and they shoot this huge thing that has like robots and giant tanks and all this really great stuff, but they don't do it on green screen. They go and they actually shoot all the talent and they shoot it like a drama and then they replace it in post-production. It was great, great world building. Yeah. And the kid in there, I I, I can't remember the kid's name, the the actress. So So good. good. She's amazing. And so we talk about it and I I won't go too deep in this because you guys should listen to the show, but we talk about how, more than anything, more than the gear, more than what it is that you're using, it was about uh, Gareth Edwards who directed it. He was like, uh, it's, I just want to be embedded with these people and I want to get real moments. And he shot it. So he was the camera operator on the whole piece. Talking of documentary, it, it felt very, it looked very, very documentary. documentary. And they were able, because of that setup and because of what they were doing, they shot, I think they shot for 90 days, I think is what it was. They did four hours of footage a day for 90 days. So that was unheard of. And this is a huge, 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 yeah. huge movie. I think it was like an $80 million US, $80 million movie that they did this. And they used all that money to be able to shoot more time. So it wasn't about dumping all that stuff in the front. It was stretching it out. So I guess what I'm trying to say is um, I hear you. And I think that planning is the most important thing for us to do as yeah. directors. And once you sort of come up with a plan, and for me, we talked about this on a few other episodes, mm-hmm. it's about... <laughs> it's about putting as many lightning rods in a field as you possibly can because what you're trying to do is get struck by lightning as many times as you can. So like if you're designing your world that way, 
that should dictate everything else. And then mm -hmm. if I'm talking to a cinematographer and I'm like, guess what? Here are all these lightning rods that are mm -hmm. set up. How do we not fucking fuck those up? How do we make this really great, strip the gear down or shoot it like this or make it like that? The, 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 the only problem I always have with that, like in this case for both alone and let's say the, the car chase one, it's called the pickup, uh, is that when you over plan, I do feel it does limit your actors a little bit. And, Sadly, that's the case of it. So like, whenever it comes to like big action setups and things like that, uh, or like, you know, set pieces, which the pickup was a huge set piece. The whole movie is a set mm -hmm. piece. You know, I, you, you, you have to plan. You have to plan everything. But whenever possible, I love to like, like on the feature that I DP, that was a situation where there were set pieces and they didn't, the, the director had not shot listed. Um, <clears throat> we would just say like, okay, just block out the scene. Yeah. Block out the scene. Just... Uh, and when, what I like to do is have my actors just like, you know what, go in there, just do it. Mm -hmm. Just do what you, like, no, 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 you know, you read the script, just do that scene based in this space that you have here. And they plan it out, they do it kind of, and then I'm like, cool, and after I see that, that's when I'm like, all right, all right, how about we adjust you here, or I, uh, uh, and we do that, but what I do is, rather than I planned every single moment, I just start saying like, oh, wow, they did something that I never thought of. See that, mm -hmm. this is interesting, okay, so we'll get, let's get real nerdy, it's, bear with us as we get real nerdy about this. <laughs> Um, our film, which you guys haven't seen yet, it screens last night. Yes. Um, our film was um, a study in uh, how to work together with actors. Because being a cinematographer initially, and I've said this a hundred times, but I'll say it again, so bear with me, show. Um, when I started working as a director, I came from the visual side. I came from like doing the same thing, storyboarding everything out. And here are my shots. And I would talk to the talent and be like, okay, here's the scene. You're going to go from here to here. And you're going to go from here to here. And I'm in this close up, and then perform in this close up. Um, and that was the direction I was mostly giving folks. Mm -hmm. And my whole philosophy at the time was actors are a cluster of unicorns that I don't want to scare away. So I would <laughs> never really go over and fuck with them. And uh, if you look at some of my early work, I'm very fortunate to have worked with talent and actors that knew how to take this caveman's fucking delivery. I'd go over and go, bah, 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 and I'd give them like all this stuff and they'd go, okay, okay, okay. And they'd walk away and go, oh God, that guy's crazy. And they would <laughs> figure out what to do and they'd make it work. And uh, when we went into COVID and I had a feature that was about to go and that got shut down because of all that, we were through, I was stressed pretty deep into a depression and um, Lance and I had been friends for years, and Lance is an amazing actor. You guys are going to love his stuff. You were nominated for Nightmares for Best Performance. Yes, yes. Um, oh, congrats. Yeah. Thank you very much. He's fantastic, and he's done some really big stuff. He's acted with Leo DiCaprio. He's been on screen with all sorts of interesting folks. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, of course, being me and kind of a dick, I always utilize Lance as like a PA on set. Sometimes <laughs> I shoot over his shoulder. We've all been there. Yeah, and so... Um, we got together and, uh, you know, our friendship really sort of blossomed mm -hmm. through this. And we started reading um, Judith Weston's books. I don't know if you guys know her. She, she has Fantastic. these books that are called Directing Actors. So the books on directing. And uh, as I, we had her on the show and she mm -hmm. was just so inspiring. And I started to read those books. And as I went through them, I couldn't believe I called myself a director. Like there was this point of like, fuck, I have not been doing any of this correctly. And so we spent time on our piece and we went the complete opposite way, which was like, let's develop character. Let's mm -hmm. develop this person. Let's, and we worked for five months or something on yeah, developing it was a while. character. It was a long time. Um, and then once we did that development, once we started to understand who that character was, we shot this thing in a tiny, tiny fucking shed, which I'm sure your set was pretty small for yours. Mm. So you understand that. 
I then had to sort of reconstruct and do my planning after I understood who the character mm-hmm. was, after I understood what the performance was. And um, strangely, my work, it, I almost felt like I wasn't doing enough. My work came a lot easier. And when I started to push too hard and I started to like make him do specific things or in the edit, I started to overcut it, it started to suck more. And mm-hmm. I realized, fuck, this is, the, this is lightning. And mm-hmm. so when you see the film, it's very much planned. It's, it's Sam Raimi meets Ridley Scott and all that kind of shit. But um, we went this way with it, yeah. which allowed my actors to, or him to feel better. Yeah. And the testament, this is me finishing this. The testament was that we screened downstairs in the screening room. We have this, we're not bragging, but we are. We have this like 90 inch or 96 inch TV that's down there and, and the people that have this place, they're all fucking pumped and you get out and you turn the TV on, it has all that smooth motion bullshit on it, which is a nightmare, yeah. right? And so we had some folks in here that wanted to see the movie and, and so Lance is like, can we put it on? And immediately I saw the smooth motion shit and I just had a fucking panic attack where I'm sitting mm-hmm. there going like, oh, but. The color's a little off. Right, know, right. I, I'm literally at my Airbnb. Every Airbnb I go to, I always see it and I always like fix it for them. Yeah. So I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, pay it forward. <laughs> so we couldn't get it fixed because whatever yeah. it was. And so I had this moment where I'm like, I don't want to show it. I don't want to show it. In my head, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to show it. It's going to ruin the movie. But then I went, no, 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 no. Let's see if this movie still holds without my tricks without any of my stuff without our cinematography yeah and we screened it for some rough gruff dudes from scotland who have been here and uh after we screened it uh, i'm gonna blow you guys up because i know you guys are tough dudes they're in there wiping tears and they're yeah. huffing and puffing and, and i knew that i did it right this time yeah and even i think like we were talking about earlier about giving your actors limitations and while it is very liberating to have freedom to decide well, what would I do in this space and walk in there and just sort of try to create uh, and there's a lot of respect for uh, being the talent who has to present it going okay let me see what you have in mind though first and then we'll adjust but I do think that having uh, limitations is very beneficial you know because it, it can help to steer you in a direction uh, for example like a I'm going to do a scene and I think like, oh, I'm going to take these props up here because I think this, this will be really good. Yeah, this is a great fucking idea. Fuck yeah. And then get a little insecure and I go, I'm not going to take the fucking props but they're stupid, 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 <laughs> stupid, stupid. And then, but just even that one thing of like changing that one dynamic, well now I don't have this thing that I'm going to be obsessed over the whole time. It really just becomes distracting. And it's just like that one little limitation. Like I can still move around the space all I want but having that is helpful. In case with like come home, we're shooting in the shed. It's a tight space. And if we hadn't done the rehearsing that we had, it would have made it feel way more confining. But we'd already worked through and talked about what some of the beats look like, what they were going to feel like. We'd already moved some things around and saw like, okay, fuck. So there's not a whole lot of room to move here. So then on the day when we get there, I'm not going, well, but I had all this stuff in mind where I was going to get up and I was going to walk over here and talk. No, none of that should exist because I already know, okay, the space is tight. Um, so it's all going to be really contained here. Now, what do I do with this guy that tells a story right here? And then now you start to look at other things like, oh, what's happening with my hand? Or uh, the camera's there. Like, how can I give this, this emotional beat over there? Because I can't turn all the ways. You're just Christian Bale in the Batman suit. But you're finding ways to still tell this story. And seeing the reaction from like the guys the other day, it was just it makes you go, yeah, okay, sometimes limitations are good. Yeah, I, I, I've known some actors that... Uh, a name actor particularly who will not name uh, who uh, was making his own film and he was act he was directing his actors and his crew but not really much his crew he, he saw his crew as a, a, 
hindrance uh, and adherence, mm-hmm. like someone who was just, they were in the way. So we're like, okay, we gotta, gotta put the slate. And he's like, no, I don't wanna get the slate in the way and everything because, you know, it's just gonna throw him off. I'm like, yeah, but then your sound's not gonna be. And it's like, okay, let's do a camera rehearsal, figure out. It's like, no, no, just yeah. like have him walk around and like cameras trying to catch it in the sound and like, okay it's like well then all that audio is now it's gone sure it's like because we didn't know where they're going to be oh the camera yeah. the, the boom is in the shot you know i i um it, i always say this to to people who like sometimes think that way it's like filmmakers as in like the crew and everything mm-hmm. like that we're not there to get in your way we're there to make right. sure that what you're doing counts and matters mm-hmm. because you did a great performance but if it wasn't uh in focus Mm-hmm. Yeah, the sound wasn't clean you can't use uh, it. or it wasn't slated or you didn't yell action or anything mm-hmm. it was it was worthless no yeah. one saw it as that old statement says like if no one sees it it doesn't exist mm-hmm. you yeah, i mean so your film is sorry your film's only as good as the team you can build around you exactly. like right. um and like obviously uh, there's a big thing in the uk at the moment of like independent film producers coming up it's like it's it's really like sparse, like as a as a part of the industry, like because it's it can be quite a thankless job and it can be really difficult. Uh, so you know, whatever people are like, Rachel, why do you keep producing? I'm like, because I get to <laughs> assemble the team. Like I love it. It's one of the most satisfying parts of the whole film is like talking to people, like checking they kind of vibe with your vision, like and watching the excitement and the collaboration as everyone comes together to like make it work is just such a beautiful mm-hmm. part of the process. But yeah, it wouldn't. Like yeah. it's not possible if you haven't got the right no, crew around I, you. I think it's the collaboration, but it's also trusting in that person and their craft right. and mm-hmm. what they're bringing to the table. And like you said before, like certain people get kind of like, oh, the recognition, and the accolades, but actually without, you know, everybody being in together and collaborating together in their own craft, it would be nothing or, or it'd be slightly different. It'll be this would be, sure. you know, change. So sure. it's like, that's really yeah. important as well. Well, I mean, there's this thing, I think we what we should address here is what we're doing ultimately is we're fighting insecurity and trauma, mm-hmm. right? And so that's coming from each and every person that shows up in a movie because unlike any other fucking job, right? Like if we're, we were all plumbers and general contractors, yeah. right? You know, we're not feeling like, hey, this toilet's going to make my fucking career. Like if I put this thing in <laughs> right. there, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's really a trauma-based system. And what happens when you're younger, I feel like, you're, uh, you're insecure, and you don't know. And, and oftentimes when you're a cinematographer or if you're a director, you're expected to be a genius. And we, we come up thinking that we're all geniuses. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the, there's nothing worse. And I, I'm sure you guys can chime in on this. First shot of the day is the most emasculating, the most insecure fucking thing. And you look at that shot and you go, fuck, right? Do you feel that yeah, way? No, 100%, man. You, you just got to get that first shot out of the way. Yeah. Like, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Like, just to like, warm yourself up limber those lenses like yeah, yeah the first shot is dog shit it's, it's all, dog shit and when you're younger and you don't have that experience you start to look around the room and you're like they see that i'm an imposter yeah. they see imposter syndrome man that's, like, that's like everyone has it in the film industry right like i i work with a few other cinematographers and like we all the same like the day before we go on set we are petrified like yeah we are mm-hmm. scared shit let's be like fuck i haven't done enough prep i haven't I've had, like got the right lights like do, do I know what I'm gonna be? Like, am I gonna do it quick enough? Like, is the AD gonna shout at me? Like, all those things just running through your head, and like, yeah, you just need to break the back of that first day. Yeah, and yeah. This is so fascinating day. to hear too, right? Because like, it, like for us going into it, it's the same thing. Like, mm. I think any actor that says like, oh no, I'm, not, I'm totally fine. Like, you're full of shit. <laughs> like the nerves and the nerves to to a certain degree are good. Yeah, man, if, if, you, it's if not you're nervous about something, it means you care about it. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's yeah. really cool to hear that on the other side of it that these are similar feelings, you know. 
Uh, for the producers, it, do you guys encounter that on the first day of similar feeling? Oh my God, the night before a shoot is like the worst night. Yeah. Like you don't sleep. You're like, mm-hmm. what have I forgotten? Like, what yeah. have I not scheduled? Have we allowed enough time for the first shot? Because like, yeah. you've got to make sure you've got some extra time. Like, yeah. ha- what if what if the crew don't meld together? Like all of those, yeah. Ev- yeah. it's like every single part of the shoot just starts spiraling through your brain. Yeah. yeah, I think coming, so I also write and direct my own stuff as well. And it is, it's similar anxiety, but very different because as mm. a producer, mm-hmm you've set it all up and you've kind of got to trust in the great people that you've hired to kind of get on with their job because it's go time. But when you're directing, I've had moments where I've come on set and I've watched the first shot and been like, fuck, was this an awful idea? (laughs) (laughs) Is this, does this, is this going to work? And again, it's just, once you get in that past like that hour mark and you're in a routine, like, oh no, it's great. It's fine. It's going to be okay. But it's that initial fear of like, I think, the responsibility responsibility feels the same, but just different, I suppose. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of like what Scorsese says about editing. Like, if you uh, if you don't look at your first edit of your of mm-hmm. your film and mm-hmm. hate it, then you're you're not doing your you're job right. Doing it right. And and that goes actually because like my my uh, my day job, I work at the CW, um, consulting as a writer, producer, editor, uh, and for a while when I had the job, it was like cool. But then I you know I have to edit stuff every day and everything, and I was just like freaking out because like some days like i had nothing i didn't i don't do anything Mm. and then it it was my boss who uh uh told me he's like you don't have to be creative 24 7 it's impossible yeah so it's the same thing you don't have to be creative and that's where leaning on going back to what we were saying leaning on leaning on your creatives your uh your dps because like that's where it's like okay i I don't know what do you think and then or the actor what do you think or the the producer your, your your costume designer your art director all that stuff they can all bring in input that can help make it better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it all lands on you. But that's the thing with directing. You know, I, I love uh, something that um, a friend of mine said, David F. Sandberg, he said, uh, you know, all you have to do at least is people, people are going to ask you questions. All you have to do is have an answer. Yeah. That's what directing ultimately is. Yeah. Have an answer. I mean, there's more to it, of course. But sure. the simplest form is someone has a question, you answer, you have an answer. You can have it like, you know, well, uh, this or that, or can we do both? But it's still an answer. Sure. You know, as long as you have an answer that and, and are capable of figuring out a response to the question that actually makes sense, then you're on your way. The only way to have those answers is if you do your homework. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of directors just don't do their homework. And I think that... Uh, and I think a lot of people don't understand what a director's homework actually is. And it isn't necessarily just storyboarding. It isn't necessarily all that stuff. Not yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, really, we learned this when we did this exercise. And I learned this when we did this exercise. Especially when you're dealing with talent, right? I think there's nothing, and you confirm or, or disagree with me on this, but I think there's nothing worse than if I show up with the same brain that we have as a cinematographer, where I'm used to going to a gaffer going, and this doesn't look right. Turn that light down 16%. 16%. Yeah, got it. Yeah, 16%. it's like turn your emotions up 12% and you go, yeah. I don't fucking what have a dial on my mean? back for this. Yeah. But I think also, and I want to kind of touch on what you were saying about the actor that was directing a piece and, and how yeah. they were sort of steering the ship in a way that didn't sound conducive for the crew either or frankly having any fucking respect for the crew. I think for actors, we have to just go fucking get on set. Go get on set, especially if you're in LA. You don't need, it doesn't need to be like an acting job is the only experience you get on set. There's tons of fucking PA jobs. Go get on set. Go get in those other departments. I, I highly agree. Like, yeah. my, fa- my thing is like, if you're a director, another thing that you need to know mm-hmm. is like, you need to know how to edit. 
Yeah, you may sure. not yeah. you, you may not ha- have to own your own system and everything, but you need to understand it. Again, another di- a director right. I work with, uh, he didn't understand what editing was in the sense of like, you mm-hmm. know, there was a shot and it's like, oh, the car- character turned away in the shot. You know, he turned away from the camera, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm not going to use this. Why are we filming this? I'm like, then don't cut to that. You know, we're yeah. going to get like five other shots of the this ensemble cast in the scene. Yeah. It's like. What are you talking about? You know, yeah. it just, you need to learn. I feel every filmmaker should learn every job, but at the same time, if you're going to direct at least the minimum, understand what editing is and how it works. Sure. I would yes. agree. That's so important. Cause I came into screen from theater um, and my first short that I did, I remember I got to the edit and like, obviously up until that point, the skills have been kind of transferable, but there, there isn't really an equivalent for the edit in the theater world. Like it is so alien. Um, and I was really, really lucky that uh, I had kind of a producer mentor who was much more established than me on that job. So they kind of guided me through it. Um, but certainly it meant when I went into my next short, I'm suddenly seeing the prep process in an entirely different way. Like I yep. think if you're thinking of going into film and you haven't sat in an edit room before, just be in the room because mm. uh, the, yeah, the understanding of, <laughs> the need for options the need for space um i mean for example with haunted vagina we love how it turned out but we definitely could have done less dialogue at certain points like that actually mm-hmm. made the edit quite difficult so there are points where i've learned you know let the actors have have that breathing room like it was a very dialogue rich script and it was probably partly because we had a really tight turnaround time for the script as mm. we as we mentioned at the top um but yeah that that experience of the edit room is so informative for whatever you do next and kind of every edit you do, you learn that little extra, extra trick and extra spice that helps make the next one that bit smoother. Yeah, definitely. But all these things that we're talking about, comes back to what I'm talking about with trauma, right? So we go do something, right? You go work with someone that's like an asshole on fucking set. You're like, next time this is never going to fucking happen again. You guys go do something and you're like, oh, next time we're going to think about this. And like, Mm -hmm. you, you, we always come at the next project with that at the forefront of our brains, Mm -hmm. which is like, I just got fucked on this deal. That's not happening again. And so, everybody on the team comes in with their own version of that. Mm -hmm. And I think what I'm trying to do as a director these days is to go, I get it. We all have our traumas. We all have our stuff. Put that in your toolbox. Don't have that be the front facing Mm -hmm. thing when you come into a project. The reason why I've cast you, whether you're team or or talent, is because I want to be with you. Yeah. And if, if for me, whenever I'm putting together a project, it's like putting together a party or a barbecue. Yeah. Who are you inviting? Who's going to work well together? And what is it? If we've all had those life experiences, don't put those at the front. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear from my grip or gaffer team, like last time we did this job, we went 10 hours over and we had this thing. If that's how you start the fucking conversation, yeah. your mind's not in the right fucking place. Because mm-hmm. then if we come together and build something fun together, and something really cool together. We all have that experience. So when shit goes wrong, you're like, whoa, 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 last time we, we, we like, I, and it's like, you don't even need to tell us. You're just in your head going like, I know how to fix this. Cause then you're a fucking wizard, right? Cause then we're sitting here and suddenly you walk in the room with the, with the repairs and I'm like, how the fuck did you? And you go, eh, I'll tell you later. You know what I mean? Like I've got this story over drinking and beers that will do it, but you want to make sure that your piece isn't built on trauma because you're going to feel that when you watch the fucking movie. Well, that being said, I mean, there could be some trauma that you can you can help with. Like, there was a great example in, like, uh, uh, again, uh, that feature that I DP'd. There was some... I was not the visual effects artist or supervisor. I was the only one who understood visual effects, so I was like, 
kind of supervising, but it wasn't supposed to be my job. And mm-hmm. there was the shots, and you know, the director didn't direct. I had mentioned before so much like, trauma coming. There's out a com- <laughs> there, I know there was a command center kind of thing, like a military command center. You know, imagine all the monitors and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I said, hey, you should prep this sequence. You should prep all that stuff before, so that we have it. I know there's going to be some things that we have to comp, but let's prep everything we can. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we will. Months later, we've shot, we're shooting, and we're going to have it. And it's like nothing. Nothing's been prepared. And so I'm like, all right, put some green screen. My, my AC comes to me and says like, dude, we should put something up. This is going to be so expensive. And I remember saying, not my problem. Because yeah. I had told them. I had told them. Words I would regret because, uh, you know, I shot everything like, you know, shallow depth of field, putting people in the foreground. It's out of focus or in focus, the screen and everything, but they're out of focus. Mm-hmm. Anyways, pandemic hits. Uh, I need money. And so like, hey, we're doing the visual effects. Would you do it? Sure. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and it is your problem. And then I, it became a problem, and it was something that was like, damn it, like trying to get the the fine edges while keeping out of focus, and mm-hmm. like trying to figure out how to do this on my crappy uh, computer that was not outputting at the time. It was like four years old, and I was like, oh, they I got couldn't get computers it. for that now, don't they? Yeah, I think I think So but uh, but ultimately, I learned from that the trauma from that. I was doing another project. Uh, the pickup actually again and so you're like okay there's a huge command center like the giant wall uh, uh, screen and they're like okay we're not doing that as a visual effect but if we do I know how to do it better next time Mm. and so we learn from that and yes it's not where we're like feeling it but sometimes it can benefit you because you learn from your mistakes like oh I know how to make that better it it could even be like not trauma trauma in the sense of like oh this is terrible everything went wrong it's just like oh that effect eh, it wasn't as good as it was so then you have an opportunity to do it again sure you're like Oh, I know how to make it better this time. Sure. Look, look, look. I'm not saying that that's not the case. I think that's important, man. That's called fucking learning, right? Exactly. You, you show up on set, you learn these things. Mm-hmm. But I'm, what I'm also saying is like, you're obviously incredibly pissed off about those events. And, and the way that you're delivering them to me, you're just like, you're like, this fucking thing. And it's like, okay, great. But um, don't bring that to my fucking set. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, like, 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 have that stuff, have that stuff mm-hmm. in the background. But also like, you know what it is? We get our asses kicked and our asses handed to us all the time, mm-hmm. right? Our business, our business is bipolar. I say that constantly. Mm-hmm. Where asses are handed to us all the time. And oftentimes, like with social media, some of the best posts are the negative posts because that's where we feel the most. Like we're, we're put through this thing and it's pounding us with all these chemicals and we're like, I'm alive, but fuck, this guy fucked me and all this stuff happened. And then you forget like wait a minute, why am I doing this? Why are we, I don't need to do this. If I was smarter, I'd do something else because I'd probably make money and I'd probably have stuff, And but I need to do this. And, and what is it that I like about doing this? Oh, it's that crack cocaine feeling that I get when I'm hanging out with my friends and we're having a good time and we all figure it out. And you bring all that stuff to the table. You bring that stuff to the table. You guys have both prepped this thing and it's like, my, like it's, it's, it's fluid. And then you know the deal, right? You guys have been there. You stand in the set. It's like you stand in the middle of a tornado and you just sort of look around and you go. <sighs> and then the tornado hits you again. So like we're just hunting for like mm-hmm. that, that solitary moment. Right. I've, um, I've worked with um, a DP called Sashi Kasoon and his focus puller, James Leckie, um, like a couple of times before. And one of the shorts that we did the last, literally the last day we overran. It was really traumatic. I had a cry very cathartic we got it done but it was really 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 tough 
And then the next time I directed a short and we got BBC funding and I kind of called Sashi and he was like, yep, I'm in. And I said, I'd love James Leckie as well. If he can come in, like he's doing like big dramas and things now, but you know, maybe he'll come in really low pay. And James was like, I'm in. And I was like, oh, okay, brilliant. Okay. There's not, nothing's been transferred over. Yeah. We're all good. And he turned up and he actually defaulted his fee to the second AC. Oh, wow. Because he was like, I don't need it. And I said, oh, he said, I'm just here because it's you. And he said, we have so much fun when we shoot. Yeah. And I, Sash said, it was you, sent me the project. I was like, oh, I'm in. And I don't want to get paid. I'll just, I'll just hang out with you guys for the day. That's wonderful. And I was like, that's so amazing. And it's nice to know yeah. as well. Like, yeah. oh, brilliant. Like, I create a really good yeah, environment. You know, yeah. Professional, but also like a really fun vibe on set. It's so all about it the people really nice. you work with. That, mm. that can bring bring like the, these people I was talking about you know the drama was all about people I'd never work with but like yeah. when I'm working with people mm-hmm. that I've worked with many times that doesn't happen it's like yeah. you know if it is trauma it's more like you know we're just bullshitting each other like hey remember how you dropped the lens mm-hmm. uh, but it's not like anger yeah. it's just being like hey look what we learned and it's a fun story as opposed to the people who are like like I said people who seem to it feels like they're going out of their way to like not actually learn Mm-hmm. or grow as filmmakers they're just expecting mm-hmm. everyone to just again just bark order just bark action and then everyone should just do what they say you know yeah. it's like that's that's always my my viewpoint it's like we're we're in this together let's do it together we're gonna have to give you a hug when this is done yeah. 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 it's cold out here man <laughs> and this has been cathartic for you to do yeah. this it feels like that way that's why i do films with only one person in in a in a in a in a, in a, in a box you know it makes it easier <laughs> on the on the happy note i was gonna jump in and say that's why when it goes right that's like the beauty yeah. of a short film isn't it is yeah. you are you make these like relationships you go through this tornado together you become like bonded in like yeah. a way that just doesn't happen and it's just the beauty of making something with your friends that you all really care about and you're all really passionate about and it's those moments when you like rap for the day and you have a glass of wine or a beer or whatever and you're all just laughing and like you're on such a high from like yeah yeah, telling Mm -hmm. a story that you all fucking love with your best mates it's Mm. such like when it goes right it's the best feeling ever and I I think it's nice to know as well like you you know you have really stressful moments but you do have reset like you understand that everyone's stressed because they just really really care and Mm -hmm. you're not going to carry anything over Mm. to the next day because you know it's just everyone's trying to nail that shot or kind of get it done in the best way possible Mm -hmm. so I think it's having that realization that you do have that reset and next day it's like cool yay let's go again and then you have that like bigger extension of that where like your film's finished you've got it at a sweet festival and then we're all yeah hanging out having a great time and that's like your extra family that's like the family that's made films there with your film yeah yeah and that's super cool yeah yeah okay hold on well here's what we're gonna do we're gonna do some ad reads stay with me guys um but it's time to do a little ad reads to uh help pay for this show um, and uh, you know the deal, those of you listening at home, this is where we celebrate the men and women that help make this show possible. This is how we keep the show free. And I've been kind of negative to you listeners over the past few episodes. I love you. I know you get stuff for free. I know you don't want to pay for my things. It's okay. I'm not judging you on it. At least on this episode, I'm not judging you on it. Um, but uh, yeah, let's, let's take a moment and talk about the companies that sponsor us. First up, our friends over at Fujifilm. I stumbled across Fujifilm uh, two years ago. I had, when I had originally heard Fujifilm, I just thought film. I just thought shooting film and, and, and uh, having film cameras. And I'm like, how does it still exist? Because most film is dead these days. But Fujifilm has moved into the digital realm quite some time ago. And they make amazing cameras. So right now they have the new GFX 102, which is a new large format sensor chip camera that's on the marketplace that's very affordable. It actually competes with the Aries 
and all the reds and all that stuff. And it's the kind of camera that you want to have in your kit at home. So if you're a filmmaker and you just need to have that day of B-roll, you need to have that day of pickup shots, and you want it to match all that stuff that you spent big bucks on from the rental house, great camera for that. And one would even argue that you can shoot your entire short film on these things. And we know this because Fujifilm has been um, sponsoring special episodes of our podcast where we talk to the filmmakers that they finance short films on. So Fujifilm finances short films. I'll say that again to all the filmmakers that are in the room. Fujifilm finances short films. Mm -hmm. And what's great about this company that a lot of other companies don't do, most companies just send you gear and want you on the internet to open up that boxing experience and they go, you're welcome. That's, that's what we're giving you. I think it's kind of bullshit because they're getting commercials that they would normally have a budget of 100, 200, $300,000 for, for free from you by sending you gear that they have to put out there anyways. Fujifilm has changed the game. They know that by sponsoring short films and financing short films, they're creating relationships with filmmakers and cinematographers that are lifelong relationships. They're also getting amazing content for their social media stuff with behind the scenes shit, but also they're helping us develop our skills without stress as directors and filmmakers. I can't say enough great things about Fujifilm. Uh, check them out. The link is in the description of this episode. And, and let me say this in a positive way. Please, if you like me, click on the links. And I know you like me. I know you like the show. I see the numbers. Do me a favor and just click on those links because they're trackable links. It lets Fujifilm know that I'm not full of shit when I say that you're listening to the show. And they will continue to give us money. This is like Sweet Mike right now. Yeah, no, because I've been a real fucking dick to the listeners the show over the past couple of episodes. <laughs> They've been assholes all week. Yeah. Uh, okay. Don't. don't I'm, I'm trying to stay sweet. You're making me feel awkward about it, which means I'm going to turn into an asshole again. Um, also supporting the show, our friends at Black Magic. We actually have a Black Magic. That's a 6K Pro. That's uh, it's, it's the new 6K full frame. Oh shit! Yes. That's the new one. It's the new. It's it's the new baby. It's the new one. Oh man, I. It hasn't arrived yet. My full frame lens has not arrived yet. When did that camera come out? Is that a new camera? Um, it literally came out like what? Like um, uh, technically, it was it was announced September. Uh, was supposed to ship like beginning of October. I just got it like this past Friday, Ooh. and I'm waiting. Do you guys for plan this? Is this lens. like a little sponsored like? <laughs> no. Shit, she knows. <laughs> <laughs> no, the funny part is every time I bring up Black Magic, everybody gets excited on the show, and all the filmmakers start talking about them. So is it? Uh, so it's a full frame. So it's got like those super creamy close-ups and all that kind of stuff. Yes, yes. But again, I I don't have a full frame lens on it quite yet. It hasn't hasn't shipped. I ordered two. I actually two, uh, ordered two. Suray anamorphic ones, but yes, it's uh, it gets uh, what is that just cropping that lens just cropping on the yes, sensor? Yes, brings it to a uh, technically close to a super 35, oh. which you know, honestly, is what I kind of prefer in a lot of ways anyway. Sometimes I haven't really worked with a lot of full frame cinematography, so uh, yeah, yeah, I, it's pretty rad. It, it is pretty rad. Were you shooting? Did you shoot? Uh, did you guys shoot uh, the short that's in the festival? On no, it? no, we shot that on another camera, but uh, yeah, this is a camera that. When in doubt, uh, uh, I filmed the pickup though, the car chase. We shot that on the Blackmagic Pocket 4K yep. with Suray uh, anamorphic lenses. And uh, I have to say, it looks amazing. I, I love the color science of this. And I'm not just saying this because this is a branded moment. No, it's great. No, <laughs> I it's, actually love this yeah, camera. Yeah, yeah. I'm that's why I'm genuinely asking you this during the ad read because you're doing my job for me right now. Which there is you really go. Awesome. Uh, well, no. So we did. So on Come Home, we shot, like I said, with the Airy. Uh, mini LF, and then we had uh, the Orion series from Atlas, which was oh, nice. crazy because with that large, what's that? Was it the Mercury ones? 
Uh, no, not the Mercury's. It's the, 35, one, it's the ones one. before that. Oh, so did you have the adapter to make it? Go on the mic. I can't hear. What you say? Did, did you have the adapter to make them the full frame lens? Uh, yes, we could. The yes. Orions are only super thin. But some of them we would do. But some of them they had actually stretched across. And we were shooting. Uh, what I loved about those Orions is that we did the 21 millimeter, which has like a minimum focus of like a foot or something like that. So Lance was in this tight space that I would say is probably from here to here. Mm -hmm. And he was able on that 21 to do a walk by where I would pan with him and I'd see him ahead to the waist as he passed in front of the camera and I was able to get it in focus the whole time. We shot uh, alone on the Atlases. It was really, those are really cool lenses. They're the amazing lenses. So what we did is we had those on the um, Airy, but we, I, I wasn't gonna have the Airy with me the whole time. So I had my Blackmagic 6K Pro with me which we were shooting high at the highest format that we possibly could for all the inserts. And some of the best scenes in the movie, mm. the scenes where you're taking swigs out of the, uh, the oh, bottle. I fucking love those shots. And those super close, all the shots that you put in your reel, by the way, your yeah. actor's reel. <laughs> yeah. All that stuff was shot on the Black Magic. And we it did that great. later. So yeah. how did you do, did you use an anamorphic lens on the Black Magic? No, so I just did a cropping. So I brought them in, cropped them to get them at the right uh, aspect ratio. The thing that was nuts, as we get real nerdy here, the thing that was crazy is that with uh, those Orions on the large format chip, it was a much wider frame. And we went with it, but I had to figure out the calculations of how wide that fucking frame was, which was pretty crazy. With this one, uh, it does have a 2K, uh, a 2, 2X uh, anamorphic mode. Uh, so it will, will end its... Um, open gate oh sick. so with this you'll get the full sensor now and get actual like legitimate two-time anamorphic with this uh new um 6k full frame which i'm i'm really digging because i that's type of shooting i like lenses i like to work with whenever yeah, possible too. so me it's too. like finally i could put them on a black magic yeah yeah so I, it's, on my it's, camera it's that really i have cool. at the house it's really awesome yeah i love it and you can get the pl mounts for those things and you can just yes. strap whatever uh, and you for want me it. that's what's important is adaptability so like the 4k for the longest time was like okay it's micro four thirds but it can be upgraded to a super 35 with a, a speed booster i can put you know pl mounts i can put you know all that stuff and okay. same with this it's a new l mount uh, uh frame and so that means okay i can do the same thing put a you know pl ef dude and I, it's all about adaptability dude me. you gotta come do all my ad reads <laughs> there you go uh and, and i'm gonna say this i am not a loyalist you can do the same things with the new fuji camera that's out in the marketplace True. And I like the Fuji's color profiles. And sometimes when I'm shooting, especially when I'm doing docs, and they're not going to do a big color grade in the back end, and I'm not going to deliver it flat because then I don't want the people in the in the edit room to color it in some fucking crazy thing. I'll shoot with internal looks, and the internal looks on the Fuji film are really great. They're really epic, and they've actually figured out how to replicate all the film stock looks that they have, and then internal in the camera, you can actually do film grain. You can dial in the film grains and stuff like that. So if you're running around doing mini docs or you're doing something that's really quick, you don't have the time to do the color grade, the Fujifilm cameras are really great for that. Because um, you're building a box and you're playing within that box and then you're delivering that box, which is nice. Um, talk about cutting away options, which I mm. feel like when you're dealing with corporate clients, you're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. Great, great ad read for that. Also, I want to say this. What I definitely use uh, Blackmagic for is DaVinci's Resolve. And I'm using Resolve for all my color grading stuff. I'm using Resolve for my compositing stuff. Uh, I think the new one is 18.5 is the new version. Um, and it's amazing. With all this new AI tech that's involved, it makes syncing, it makes trans transcribing really easy. 
there's this whole new thing that's coming out now where everything's being transcribed and you can actually edit the document and it will put the cuts in the footage so it's kind of great for producers that are doing documentary stuff um i can't say enough good things about resolve uh, also supporting the show are our friends over at Boca Rentals in Los Angeles and uh, uh, Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, Las Vegas. Um, that They are the place that I go to rent all of those super sexy anamorphic lenses that I am then adapting to my cameras. Uh, so if you are in Los Angeles and you are looking for a rental company, and I highly suggest this for any young cinematographer, any young director, go make friends with your local rental house. Go down there, have beers with them, talk with them, go there before you have a project, have them know your name. So as a producer, you can call them up and say, hey, we only have a certain amount of money, can you guys give us a deal? I've done that many times. Yes. <laughs> so make sure you go hang out with your local rental house. And if you're in Los Angeles, the place that I love is Boca Rentals. They support young filmmakers, young cinematographers. There have been quite a few people in this festival that had really great deals that they got from Boca Rentals. So definitely check them out, bocarentals.com. The links are in the description of this episode. Assholes, clip. Oh, see, I did it. See? I went see? right off the rails. See? Click those fucking links. <laughs> I need you to click those fucking links. What are you doing right now? You're on the couch in your underpants. That's what you're doing. <laughs> I love that you say underpants. <laughs> Stop scrolling through Instagram. Just click the links on the episode. Keep me in business, motherfuckers. Anyway, anyway, anyways, anyways. Uh, also, finally, if you're a newcomer to the show... And if your mom's listening to the show and she's upset that I just dropped the F-bomb, um, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. If you're lazy and you don't go back to episode one and listen to all of them, which you should if you're a true comic book fan, that's what you do. But if you're lazy, go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. I've curated all the episodes based upon subject material. So if you want to listen to the cinematographers or the directors or the chefs or the firefighters, or my friends, or my mom. My mom's episode. You're a big fan of my mom's episode. If you guys get the chance, it's the very first time she's on the show. I think this is this is probably when you're still back in Boston. It is one of my favorite episodes to listen to. I didn't realize that your mom was a photographer. Mm -hmm. um, and listening to her talk about raising, uh, one, raising like, one of my best friends, but then also like a creative. And a, uh, mon and a monster, yeah, raising a monster yeah. too, yeah, yeah. But then also her talking about her experience as a photographer and, and you know, what that path is like. It, it was so beautiful to listen to, like, what is it like to, like, raise these kids, still have this thing that you're passionate about, and seeing how that stuff transferred into one of them. It's, it, it's such an inspiring episode, so highly recommend it. And lovewiththeprocess.com, check it out. Okay, that's it. Raising you guys Monster, had to sit coming through. soon. Yeah, <laughs> raising, the, raising the Monster. Coming soon to Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, thanks for sitting for those reads. Thanks for the assist on the Black Magic read, man. That's a big deal for us. Um, all right, we know each other now. We've got a little bit more time. Well, let's open it up, right? Let's open this up. We, we, you guys have been hanging out a lot, so I'm sure you guys have some interesting stories. Like, how's Film Quest been for you so far? How long have you guys been here so far? Um, so, we got here on Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, we're still a bit jet lagged. I think today is the first day that we kind of feel adjusted time-wise. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, first proper day. We uh, we booked this very last minute. We booked it about six days before we came. This is actually my first time mm. in America as well. Oh, congratulations. Um, so, yeah, and it, the, the festival's been great. We've, we're having a lot of fun. We're seeing a lot of good shorts. We're meeting a lot of people. Um, like, me and Rich are connected on Instagram, but we actually, like, met yesterday properly. Um, so, yeah, it's been nice to kind of, like, meet, meet new people. Um, but there seems to be, like, a massive UK contingent over. 
There's like so many people over from the UK. Yeah. Obviously, the Scottish mm. people as well. Yeah. Um, Scots. But, but yeah, no, we're having a really good time, and I think we're finally <coughs> awake as well, which is nice. So yay. Yeah. Yeah. Less reliant on caffeine today. Um, but yeah, no, it's been really good, hasn't it? It's yeah. been. It's my first genre fest internationally. Uh, mm. I've only done genre fest in the UK before. Mm. Uh, and yeah, the programming's been great. Uh, the socials have been really good. Mm-hmm. We're all debating what karaoke we're going to do this That's evening. Right, it is karaoke Richard night. has promised oh. to do Sinead O'Connor with me. And now oh. I've said it on the podcast, so it has to happen. got to do it now. Uh, but yeah, no, it's been really good. Lots of good connections. Yeah. 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 So, okay, hold on. How, I like asking this question. When you're not living in the US and you think about the US, What's the first thing that comes to mind? It could be anything. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think of the U.S.? Uh, this is really on the spot. Isn't it? Yeah. I'm, I'm so scared of being offensive. Shoot, <laughs> no, shoot from the hip. We can take uh, it. We're America. Hip. We're used to offensive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I guess at the moment, the first thing I think of is probably like Trump. Uh, still, 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 still. Oh, what well, was going to be that or mass shooting? So I'm yeah. sorry. Well, so I'm was, sorry on behalf. Well, of I guess yeah, maybe like an over like, a pol- like politics. I think is probably one of the first things mm. I think about and how that's constructed in America. Well, I was literally planning to move to the states a few years ago, um, and at the point where I was like, I either have to commit to being in the UK or the US. I went to the gym one morning and saw Trump wins election on the TV, and I was like, well, that's the American dream dead. Uh, <laughs> I'm not moving here anymore. Uh, I'm now going to get cancelled by a certain number of listeners to this podcast. Uh, but no, I, to be honest, for me, uh, apart from politics, uh, maybe like food. I feel yeah, like food. I, I, I watched a lot food. of Man versus Food when I was at <laughs> yeah. when I was at college. Uh, so yeah, food challenges and yeah, good eats. Oh my god! Oh my god! The best yeah. of the best. So, so yeah, I think yeah, f- food and politics. What a weird answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, like I've been in the states a few times and I've never been to the middle of the states, which mm-hmm. is where I assume we are. Um, yeah, 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 I guess yeah. that's continue. Where are we at? Yeah, yeah. 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 Far west, western middle. We're in yeah. some mountain range somewhere. Yeah, um, but uh, coffee for me, man. Oh, uh, I was thinking about coffee with America because it's the first oh. place that I actually learned to love coffee. Really? I mm. went to San Francisco a few years ago on a job, and everyone was in this diner and they were having pancakes, and then everyone was getting refills of coffee. And I was like, this refill of coffee just looks so good. He's <laughs> like, I hate coffee. <laughs> and then, um, and then I had it, and I put about like seven tablespoons of sugar in it and it was beautiful yeah, <laughs> yeah there and you I've, go. Been, I've been hooked ever since yeah. yeah well you're in the worst fucking place for coffee because apparently you're not allowed to have coffee if you're a mormon well, That's a yeah big so there's i i am i'm a couple of days i've only been here like a day so i'm still in the, i'm heavily caffeinated so uh, i know that's not true well okay <laughs> okay good because that's what we heard we heard that yeah that it's they, like, like hard to get coffee that's part here. of the undesirables here if you're mm-hmm. getting coffee well but you're not mormon so you're allowed the coffee like yeah, but yeah yes they just give you the side eye on, on a yeah. university yeah, they're just like oh this guy wants coffee huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. hopefully they just they just they just hear the brit accent and you get away with that like, yeah i feel like jaywalking and coffee in utah is the two things that brits can get away with. <laughs> and also standing outside of the pub as well yeah and just watching people give you the side eye as they drive past the yeah. only pub the, the, one, the pub, pub. Yeah. once again the undesirable i actually i actually had no idea this was like is, is it not dry state right but i had no idea there were these limitations when i came here so i was just like when are we going for a for lunchtime promo, beer yeah. and everyone's like mate do you know where you are Dude, that was like last night when you were like where are we going and we were like we're going to the one place that sells yeah. alcohol yeah <laughs> yeah you guys will have to come by our place i think we'll do something later in the week and, and i love that that I'm bar's sick. hours like it's how they operate is based off of what's happening inside so like the one night we went and it was a pretty slow night 11 o'clock last call midnight get the fuck out but then yesterday it's technically the same hours but they stayed open later because they're like oh it's really busy tonight so we're gonna keep going oh 
Oh, okay. Like, nice. Yeah. Oh, great. Perfect. Yeah. That makes sense. But they have the whole like chastity attachment that they put on. Yeah. The hot yeah. Liquor, yeah. Where they're just like pour. Okay, that's enough. You know, and it's like yeah, which is silly because I'm like, like you can't just pour it again. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, do it one more time. But it's cheap. I will tell you Super this. Super fucking cheap. It's yeah. very cheap. Here. I got a gin and tonic and it was $3. It's insane. I yeah. mean, you have a drink in flipping London and it would be five times that price for a gin and tonic. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, 13, it's expensive 14 too. 14 pounds. Go to LA. Yeah, go, go to, to LA. LA. <laughs> yes, yeah, same thing. Oh, it's, right, yeah. Yeah. I have to say, I'm also really impressed that they sell Guinness in this one pub. Yeah. Because I'm a huge Guinness fan and outside of the UK or Ireland, I was like, I'm not going to I've heard this fill. though. I've heard, I've heard that Guinness tastes different abroad than it tastes here it tastes different in every pub you go into really like every oh, it has so many like uh things that can go variables that can go wrong with pointing a pint of guinness so yeah it's it's an art have you yeah. been to the actual brewery have you had it from the brewery many many times oh, okay. it's, it's, it's the best thing you can ever drink i was gonna say is yeah. it like yeah yeah i love the fact we bring all the british people onto the podcast and we're like let's talk about alcohol oh we're truly living whoa, whoa, whoa. up to the stereotype whoa, whoa, whoa. you're also okay. talking to two boston boys yeah. Yeah. Me- meanwhile the la guy doesn't drink doesn't do drugs and i'm just like do you guys have soda <laughs> oh my kale, god kale smoothie over here um, i'm not i'm not i'm not that la i'm from la i was born and ra- ra- raised but i'm the original LA where it's like that stuff is like no well I mean LA for me is uh, and I love living there now because the food is fucking fun. it's expensive but it's phenomenal really yeah because we steal from everywhere else yes. and bring it there yes <laughs> it's just like how do I take this Korean and barbecue and smash them together yeah. and you're like yes please I love my wife uh, uh, who, who's Russian she she'll like I'm like oh let's go to a let's have Mexican tonight and it's like okay cool and we get uh, um we get like, uh, what is it? Uh, oh my God. Well, just someplace uh, she rec- re- recommends like, oh, Paquito Mas. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, sweet, that's not Mexican. Yeah, that's that's not like Tex-Mex, yeah. you know? Because yeah. I, I, I am Mexican, even though I'm not like, you know, I, I don't really speak Spanish, everything is like, I know it's like, that's not Mexican. Dude, yeah. <laughs> it's good, I like it, but it's yeah. not Mexican. Dude, the, the, the best food in Los Angeles is the food that is set up on like folding tables at like eight Pop o'clock in front tent. of a Target. Oh, tacos, you go to like yes. a Target yeah. parking lot. Fuck me. And like the, the, the barbecue that's set up out there, mm-hmm. there's so many great spots. I eat way too much food. It, it's it's still it scares me when I see especially that giant like, you know, piece of, this piece of meat like on a spit, like spinning yeah, out and there's out there. And I'm just being like uh, I mean, it's yummy, but is it healthy? Is like, yeah, like a, not like healthy as in like, oh, you know, my diet. More like, will that give me like a disease? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah when we talk about America and food, healthy doesn't go in that sense <laughs> in, in any way. So I don't think you're touche, my friend. <laughs> We're here for the fun. We're here for it. For the fun, by fun you mean uh, diabetes, <laughs> diabetes, <laughs> yes. E. coli. Yes. I had yeah. a, I mean, had my first pancakes like yesterday or the day before, and they were incredible. And your really? bacon is incredible as yeah. well. Oh. It's like really, really thick. Yeah, and really, really crispy. That's because we like to really scare those pigs before we put them down. <laughs> I really <laughs> taste that flavor. I went to uh, Russia before the war. Uh, my wife took me. Uh, one time and I was like oh we, we stayed at a hotel it's like oh my god they have like they have like like breakfast in the morning it's a sausage oh great open it up there's hot dog weenies yeah and she's like that's that's sausage I'm like no, no that's a hot dog where's the yeah. sausage that just feels wild to think about a hot dog at breakfast like pancakes was, and hot dogs I'm like uh-uh. they were literally like just steamed or like cooked like hot dogs like yeah. it's just like like you know, not cooked like on a, a burner, like not on a stove. Like I like you know, just warmed up and everything, and just like they were good. But it was like that's 
That's not what I was hoping. There you go, though. Hot dog at breakfast, title of your next short film. Here we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we're talking about trauma again, aren't we? So, like, yeah, since then. No, my speaking of which of that, it's like, apparently you guys don't like anything cold, like, soda-wise over there. Because, like... I, we don't have warm soda. What? What? No, okay. So my dad just went there. Okay. So actually, I'm I'm mistaken. It wasn't the UK. He had went to um like more like Italy and things like that. And same thing happened with same 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 place, right? Yeah. Sorry, sorry. It was Europe because he went to Europe and then he went to London after that. Sorry. I understand. I'm there's a really famous thing about the UK not being in Europe anymore. Like there was this thing that happened. Uh, no, 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 we're, we're in Europe. We're not part of the EU. Yeah. No, I, I was. Just yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'll I'll uh, I'll and see myself. Speaking of trauma, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like a but in, in in like Russia, like I'd asked for like a cold soda, and there was like everything was room temperature, and I was like, I went to a stand, like, hey, can I get like a, a Dr Pepper? Great, cool. They gave it to me, and was like, can I get a cold one? He grabs it and is like. It is gold. And I'm like, no, it's not. This is room temperature. And and I thought like, oh, it's just one guy. Everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. And then my dad just got back from Italy for the first time. And he was like, they don't like cold sodas over there. I was like, so it's there too. <laughs> it's we, not just me. I would say UK like cold sodas. Okay, we have good. a lot of ice in good. cold sodas. Good. So good. Just to pick, and also Italy's very far from the UK. Okay, good. Please don't please don't beat me up. I'm no, sorry. I missed, like, I missed it. I've been on quote. holiday to Italy a few times and they give you like frozen glasses for your soda. So they're really yeah, cold. So I have, okay. I don't okay. know if you were just going dude, to like corner dude, shops that dude, have bad Dude, you're, you're getting slammed right now. I'm getting, yeah. slammed. getting slammed. I'm just imagining the Russian guy being like, you don't know cold. <laughs> <laughs> no, that by the way, that was what the reason why I feel that uh, uh, they're they're not cold is because they're living in it. It's just yeah. like oh, okay, okay, we're not gonna just. He's it, like, it, you you need it cold. Yeah, cold there you go. It's cold now. We're not gonna put gas on this fire by making it worse. <laughs> that was a great joke for a podcast as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah no one can see it for the, for the benefit of the tape. Uh. Oh man, that was so great. If you could see it, guys. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. Too bad you're not here. Too bad you're not hanging out with all of us. Uh, you'll yeah, never. Good thing know. I caught it on my black magic camera. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I had a question I want to throw around to you guys because you were saying earlier about uh, with this short. Uh, you had noticed looking back, like, oh, you know, you could trim some dialogue here. Uh, and, and Mike, I'm going to bring this around to you as well eventually. Um, what's, it, what's something that from going back and watching your short now, whether it's with the audience or just looking at it uh, prior to the festival, what's something that you, is, is a takeaway that you've learned that you would do differently? Um, I don't know if there's anything I would do differently, but it's interesting. I feel like there's a thing when I... I get very, very invested in every film I make, very emotionally invested. Um, and in fact, uh, there was a joke. We worked with a lot of people that we've worked with before on The Girl with the Haunted Vagina. So we had a lot of like, uh, like the production designer is a very good friend of ours. Uh, obviously, Sam, who directed it, we run our production company with. There were a lot of friends. Uh, but so it kind of became a joke amongst the cast and crew that the film was my unofficial autobiography. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my dad was a vicar. So like growing up, there was a lot of a lot of religion being. Uh, so you have a you life. have a haunted body part. Is what I, I have. I'm the girl with the haunted vagina. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. No, but. So, but it's interesting because I was very, very emotionally invested in the script and the journey. I think perhaps more than the average audience member is. So it's not something that I would change, but I never realized that the, I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it, but I never realized the very last line of the film was funny to people until we watched it with an mm. audience for the first time because I'm so invested in, in her journey to climax and to this like freedom that when you kind of have that like closure and that moment of, uh, yeah, of release... 
I was so moved and the oh my god the composers that we had for the short film I like I cried the first time I heard the soundtrack because just I was like I was like this is the closest I'm ever going to get to having like a Lord of the Rings-esque soundtrack (laughs) where because they did loads of fun like choral stuff it's very Mm. like religion and like organ based but we've got lots of like oh kind of like I can't sing it's not me don't worry in the score but we've got lots of like very choral noises so like that kind of yeah that moment of release and then you kind of have those really choral like organ sounds over the top and then she finally climaxes and like so i'm really like moved by that but the first time we watched it the last night of the film everyone absolutely died laughing and i was like i didn't realize this was funny like and obviously everyone laughs every time so it is but it's things like that where People seeing it fresh for the first time react very differently to you, I think. Mm. Yeah. You've just ruined the ending for me. Now I know, now I know she climaxes. I don't need to watch it anymore. I mean, right. I did say it was a very, very, very happy ending. So I'm that not sure what anything. you thought that meant. But, um, I'm trying to think what I would... Ch- I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of similar. I don't think there's anything I would change, which I suppose is a good thing. I think maybe... Like, I kind of regret for, the, like, the seance scene that was kind of a bit rushed because we were really mm. against it. And I, I think if we'd have had the time, I, I think we could have filmed it differently. Mm. Um, but it's surprising how big a seance on the floor, kind of in a kitchen, how much space that actually takes up. And then with mm. the camera and then having one in there, everyone in there, I'm there with like the... Um, what was I? Oh, fire the fire extinguisher. extinguisher. You were there in case somebody got burnt on the candles. And so it was kind of a bit, yeah, I think if we could have gone back, I would have liked to sound a bit more of a dramatic mm. version of that, I think. Mm. Mm. I suppose off the back of that, and sorry, we'll let someone else talk soon. <laughs> I suppose off the back of that, if I could change anything, I would have loved more time. Yeah, uh, we had a very, very tight delivery deadline where um, the particular funding round that we were in through this scheme uh, they were approaching the end of they have like five year funding periods where everything they financed in the last five years has to be done by a certain delivery date and we were the very last commission of that funding round so that we found out that we got the money in October mm-hmm. and we had to shoot edit and complete and deliver back to the BFI by the following March yes yeah, crazy so it was a really really short time so stuff like the seance like we were very limited in terms of the houses that we could find with yeah. availability that last minute to shoot so like I'd have loved to have found somewhere with like a bigger kitchen so we could have made more of that so I think I suppose that's the only regret is if we'd had like the luxury of a little bit of extra time we could have I, made it a bit more special I feel like that's such a redundant answer though because everyone wants more time sure <laughs> We did have a particularly short period yeah, of time. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. How about you for the movie that you worked on? What would I change? I mean, I just very particular lighting setups. <laughs> 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 no, actually, uh, me, me and Andy, the director, we, we talked about this because I mean, yeah, again, we were rushed on time. You know, we had a we had a load day, and then we had two days to shoot. Um, and one thing when you work with SFX, man, it's like yeah. it takes hours to get those people in that stuff. So you're like you're trying to very conveniently like build a schedule where you can allow like two hours for this guy to get built and then he's in there for like the rest of the time yeah like and then it's like half an hour out of the suit and then he needs to go back in and gets another two hours so like yeah yeah so we, we were really pushed on it and like we've we've talked about it and we we really would have loved to involve like loads more movement um obviously i'm coming at this from a dp right so all my all my changes of course you know it makes sense though that's why so we I, I would like to move the camera i'll have a lot more nice um and actually there's so there's a, there's a scene that we never got to shoot. Although we had the SFX built, like everything was planned for it, but we just ran out of time. It was literally like the AD and direct Andy were just like, what can we lose? What's not going to make this story like an absolute dog shit? And they were like, oh, it's this, this scene. And uh, the scene was a prosthetic penis door handle. <laughs> And I've got these great videos of um, like uh, Dan Martin who like sent 
our WhatsApp groups the videos uh-huh. of him building this penis. Oh my and actually, God. it was it was based off um, Alex Skarsgård's penis because he just done Infinity Pool. <laughs> so it was, it was based off like a, a flaccid, semi-flaccid cock of Alex Skarsgård. Uh, don't quote me on that, but that's, that's, a good, that's a good story I've been telling for the last year. So <laughs> it's an eccentric like, Dining out on it. Um, I'll show you later as well. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to react with, you shot that in two days, because I've seen your film I, and it's stunning, but now the penis has just completely floored me. I agree. So just to say, like, it's crazy that you shot that in two days. Yeah, There's no. no way I would have thought you'd done that in two days. So Thank well you done. Much. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I am okay with my job. Um, <laughs> there you go. No, you're Evidently right. so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so uh, basically there's a... The, the actor's meant to es- try and escape. They just got rid of that completely. And mm-hmm. when he tries to escape, he tries to like open this locked door and uh, he kind of grabs at this door handle and it's all slimy and sticky and he's like, what the fuck? And then he looks down and it's just like, it's his dad's cock oh uh, as the God. door handle. And then he obviously freaks the fuck out and then he runs back. But we, we, we couldn't involve the cock. Oh, I'm so, sad about that. Uh, See, that's why we've never played together because if you'd had the cock, it would have been the perfect pairing. <laughs> but exactly. yeah. The haunted penis and the slimy dick handle. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I I'm in the wrong. I'm in the wrong uh, group here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like my film's nothing like that. <laughs> play, my, you, when's your plan? Your film plan? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Cool. I'm yeah. looking forward to check that. Yeah, yours is great, man. And you, I yeah. mean. Uh, the just the scale and the scope and the uh, the cinematography is gorgeous in it. So it's it's a good piece. You guys should totally check it out, man. So is there anything that you? All right, try to do this with the least amount of trauma as possible. <laughs> you know what? Any, funnily enough, yeah. I wouldn't change a thing. It's perfect. What are, we, what are we talking about? There yeah. you go. There you go. Yeah. I, I mean, in in reality, of you know. Every filmmaker wants like, oh, you know, I wish I could have done this, that up a few more inches, the framing and everything. But I, I, it's hard to complain because, like I said, we made this for a, a competition and we won. So it's it's like, why change something that obviously worked? Uh, mm-hmm. Got me to this festival, which I'm excited about. You know, mm-hmm. whether I it wins uh, uh, best micro short or not, it's just like, oh, cool. It still was mm-hmm. seen and got got to be here. It was good enough to be picked out of the thousands of 100%, submissions. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But, was but yeah, there's you learned from it from the like looking back at it now. Yeah, I mean every movie I, I learned from it, and like I, every movie I, there there were still things. Yeah, I would look at and want to change, and mm-hmm. but you know I I'm still happy with what we did, right on. and uh, you know I learned from like okay how to you know we didn't use like uh, you know we did visual uh, visual effects, but there's actually some like practical in camera visual effects mm-hmm. where we didn't do like Mandalorian, you know, like LED walls, but we did a, a Mandalorian light, as I like to say, um, <clears throat> where it was um, basically the five dollar version where we just put a TV screen right up against the, the the window of the escape pod and made it look and just uh, played a, a looped video of a, com- a visual effect, you know, rendered um, you know space debris out in space uh, playing mm-hmm. and. It looked great on, and especially with the uh, Atlas uh, mm-hmm. uh, lenses, we were able to uh, have the bokeh be realistic and make it look good. If I had a comp that, I could have, but it had been A, more time consuming, B, mm-hmm. harder to do possibly, and C, uh, <clears throat> it wouldn't have looked as realistic and as good. Yeah, it does we look were, really good. And we were able to get that. And then I, the, but the goal was, ne- the, the thing was like, what I learned was like trying to balance, like, okay, so here I'm doing it practically, and now here's these full visual effect shots i'd never done actually that's something i learned i'd never done like full cg shots before mm. uh, in any of my movies i've like i played with them and kind of like practiced it but never in a project that i had to like <clears throat> a, sh- a film that had to be like seen with a narrative story and everything yeah and so that was like 
that was new and it those shot the, the movie hinged on those technically one two like three shots mm-hmm. where it was like full cg uh actually like four or five actually now i think about it and if it didn't work my dp and i were like you know my dp looked like do you think you could do this when he read the script i'm like i'm hoping <laughs> i'm like yeah. you know usually when i do visual effects i always or make a movie that has visual effects, I always have like a backup shot. Yeah. I shoot a different version of it where it's like, okay, you know, say the pickup, there's supposed to be a moment where the glass is supposed to, uh, of the window is supposed to get shot out and everything. And I was like, okay, let, I think I, I learned this composite where I can make it look like it's doing it in camera because we can't actually damage the window. But just in case, let's get a side profile where we don't see the window and we'll just throw us this silicon, uh, you know, safety glass, kind of fake gl- rubber glass at you and we'll just put the sound effect. That's our backup shot. We yeah. don't like it, but it's our backup. This, there was no backup. Like, if mm. we did not pull this off, it would not work. So I did like a test before we, <clears throat> the week as we were prepping. Like, literally, Saturday, we was like, hey, I got this, there's this contest entering. We made a uh, contest coming up. Maybe we should enter. And he's like, sure. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Well, you got this space set that you already built. What if we kind of use that? Okay, what's the story? I don't know. Let's talk it out. We talked it out within like an hour or two. It's it almost like, like doing a 48-hour <laughs> film project. Yeah. yeah. And it was like, oh, there's an idea. Cool. Let's do that. And then it was that Saturday. I wrote it over the weekend, finished it Monday. All that week, we prepped, got everything, locations, props. Uh, he built, he kind of rejiggered his set. Uh, we got, you know, I did visual effects uh, a prep and everything. And got our actor. Um and then we were shooting it the following Saturday. So the whole prep was within a week. And then it was two or three weeks of post before the, the deadline for the contest in last October. So not this, well, this last October was yesterday. Last, last October, sure, October of sure, 2022. Yeah. I'm jealous of you, man. Like there's a, a couple of my friends are filmmakers that do the same thing. They have the ability to sort of come up with an idea, process an idea and shoot it real quick and have it fucking put out. And I assume being a guy who self-proclaims a hundred something shorts that you've shot <laughs> i would say that that's probably in your dna and uh, like i'm trying to readjust my dna to be that kind of person again just because i feel like with any sort of trauma that i went through with filmmaking it takes me a long time to do to do a piece and a project and i become very attached to work mm-hmm. um, and i'm trying to reprogram myself a bit to be that way well well i the way i see filmmaking which i think we could all agree here is Filmmaking is just creative problem solving. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just, okay, how do we make something that's not actually happening look like it's happening? How do we make someone who doesn't have a haunted vagina look like they have a haunted vagina? How do we make someone who's not a priest look like it's, it's in all capacities, okay? We're, I wasn't actually in space. How do we do that for the budget we have? Sure. How do we, you know, how do we make it look like we're in a Victorian era time when we don't have that? You know, it's, it's all about figuring things out heck a good example is not even i just am always been like that like last night non-film oriented but i think you guys would find this funny it was last night was halloween Mm -hmm. and i'm at an airbnb and so before i went to the party and everything later this evening which was 10 we had trick-or-treaters and i was like this isn't my house i was like i don't i don't know what to do and they're knocking at the door but here's another thing is that the the key to the the place only opens the back they don't have, I can't open the front door of the house. So they're knocking. I can't open and do anything even if I wanted to. But I was like, I, I, I feel bad. I, am I going to just turn the lights off and hide? So I was like, create a problem solving. Okay. Ordered uh, candy off DoorDash. Got a bowl. Found a bowl. Oh, shit. I don't have a pen because I want to write, w- take one. All right. Go to the local market over there. Picked up a pen. Write it on a piece of paper. Put like, take one. Put it on a little, put it in the bowl right there. And kids came up and got, got their candy. 
And there was no knocking on the door. It's like wow, fistfuls I'm at a time. I'm impressed. That's like really, really dedicated. I, I love Halloween, and I and I re- and I realize like that those kids like you know what they're coming to the house. It's disappointing when no one's yeah, there. It's like that's but, adorable. Yeah. <laughs> try, but it's like so. I I wanted to I wanted to do that, and I thought it was a fun activity, and I, there was nothing to do at the moment, so why not? You know, I thought the story way. was going to be you creeping around the side, like trying to give them candy. Hey like, kids, come in the back. Want some candy? Going all the way around. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to throw candy out the window at them. That's what I yeah. was waiting for. Was like there was a window near the door, so I'm just like launching like <laughs> mini bounds at kids. So long. Basically, but like, but yeah, like that. That's what. That's what it was to me. Like that's the thing that I've learned is like, you you have a, a situation. You're given a script, whether you've written it yourself or someone else has. Now it's your job to figure out how do I make this a reality, mm-hmm. you know, and we've all been there too. It's like when we're on set and you're like, first off, you're writing it. You're like, oh my God. Yeah. And then there's going to be a car explosion. Oh, this is going to, this is going to look so cool. And then you're on set in like maybe, you know, 90 degree weather. It's hot. You're, you're tired and everything. And you're just like, why didn't I just write interior, uh, mm-hmm. nice, cold, warm house bed? Yeah. You know, it's like, why did I have to come to this? But then you actually write that sequence and then it's hot under the covers in the bed sure, and you're in a cramped sure. room and you're like, yeah. sure. no matter where you are, you're going to have problems. Sure. So it's like, how do you solve the problem mm-hmm. that you have creatively? And again, that's where the Fincher kind of thing mindset yeah. comes in yeah. and like plan it, prep it, figure out every single uh, uh, angle or aspect of how you can make this work <clears throat> as well as a backup. Sure, sure. If need be. I'm jealous of you, man. I think it's great that you have that, those skills. I think I would probably drive my fiance crazy if I had all the skills that you have, but I'm jealous of you generally. I actually do drive my wife crazy <laughs> yeah, sometimes with that. Like, where I overthink, like, what if we did this? And she's like, I want to go to bed. Yeah, she's a filmmaker too. She's an actress, filmmaker, writer, editor. But in, even she's just like, that's enough. She's man. like, uh, enough. and yeah. cut, and cut. <laughs> Not in the bedroom. Yeah. Not in the bedroom. <laughs> Oh, what very cool, you, Mike. Um, what what was well, the question again? Yeah, if if you what did you learn? Is there something that you learned from now getting to watch it with other people? Uh, and if there's anything that you would change, if you say, "Cast, I'm gonna push you off the couch." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right, get a better actor. Um, um, what have I learned? I mean, we haven't watched it with an audience yet, so I'm excited yeah. to see it with an audience. I've seen it with some folks. Um, I I think the thing I learned. I think the thing I learned was when I, when I finally found it in the edit mm. and when I found this piece in the edit and, and it wasn't that I found the movie in the edit, I refound my love and my confidence for the job mm. in the edit because the, the, the industry had really beaten me down pretty hard at that point. And, um, I was like, why the fuck am I doing this? And I really sort of hit that point of like, why am I still directing? Why am I going through this whole pro Like everything, why are we doing this? Because ultimately it's not just gatekeepers. It's just a bunch of untalented motherfuckers that are in between me and people with money. And, mm-hmm. and I became very dark. Um, and so uh, what did I learn? Man, I learned why I love it. I, like I, you, you just, you realize that there isn't anything else that you can fucking do. Mm. And you realize that this is the reason why I wake up at night or wake up at night with ideas. This is the reason why um, I, uh, you know, have high anxiety and high stress because I'm consistently thinking like, how do, what am I doing today? And how do I make this work? And um, it, it's why I exist is I drive Gina crazy with it. Um, and I forgot all that. Mm. And I think the work that we did together 
really gave me a new discovery into why I love working with you and why I like working with actors. And then bringing together a crew and, and being with that team and that crew. And then fuck it, man, fuck it. I'll be a confident asshole and say this. We made a, a, a tiny fucking movie mm-hmm. in our garage. And that movie has then gone on to get into film festivals. I mean, we were saying when we showed up here on Thursday, yeah. Lance found an email, randomly found his email, because he was looking mm-hmm. for something else. He found the email that I sent him that was like, hey, Lance, I've got a script. Come home as a script. It was sent a year ago to that day, to the day. at the same time at night that he found that email. Yeah. Wow. You know, and I don't believe in that shit, but like it was just It was a cool crazy. moment. Yeah, yeah. definitely you know? a cool moment. And then you just, especially moving to Los Angeles was such a great thing, but it was also an incredibly destructive thing for me creatively. Mm-hmm. Because the business is like, it, it literally took over three years of my life and I wasn't making anything for three years. So, yeah. Can I make an assumption here that like, uh, LA is like uh, London? Yes, you have to you have to move to LA if you want to yes. like make it type thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, New York, but New York, dude. New York is TV and theater, sure. realistically. Mm-hmm. And if you like, if you're going to work on crews and teams, you're going to be a grip or a gaffer. You can still get a job in New York. Oh, you can get a job in any of the states here that have tax incentives. But if you're actually someone that's creating, you sort of hit a point where like mm-hmm. talent, if talent's any good, talent moves from wherever the fuck they are to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And then if you're trying to get financing and stuff and you're trying to meet producers and stuff, you need to be in a place where like you'll get that call going, what are you doing tonight? You want to grab a beer? And you have to be able to just jump mm-hmm. in the car and go grab a beer. Because that's how movies are made is over beers yeah. in a bar. It really is. I'm screwed then. With my you can sodas. have. A, I'm sure that they <laughs> have. A, I'm sure that you can get a nice warm soda in whatever bar you want to go. To. <laughs> got a non-alcoholic I'm, beer, I'm alcohol-free. The, I'm the one. That, I just don't it's like the taste noodles. of alcohol. I don't know if it tastes like it. I'm the one who will be just like, no, I'll have a Shirley Temple and not and not bad an eye, but like, yes, bring me a Shirley Temple. Yeah, I won't judge you for that, man. I mean, look, whatever. Yeah. What's so great about beers is that it's a, it's it's this weird sort of social thing where you mm. could sit down with a stranger. Yeah. This thing, whether it's a Shirley Temple or a glass of fucking wine, is the reason why you can stay there and interested with each other. But it's the perfect way to meet each other and start yeah. to have a conversation. Yeah. yeah, man. I mean, that's the whole British social system. It's how we socialize. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, that's how we socialize back in Boston, too. Yeah. 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 So, a lot of talk over beers. All right, guys. This has been great. We're at the two-hour mark. Do you guys have fun? So much fun. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. This has been great. Thank yeah, you so thank much. You so much. It's yeah. been really, really good. I, I, I have a couple more things of trauma I want to say, but uh, <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll save that for next time. <laughs> it could be like a bonus episode. If yeah. trauma, we'll just if have you a like. whole trauma, Nick trauma thing. Yeah, yeah. you guys can bill me on this, basically. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, could do exactly. like a dial-in where people could just call in and like just like vent all their film-related trauma. <laughs> yeah, it'll there's be. actually a podcast that I highly recommend you guys check out. I, I, if, I, if that's okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, plug plug. Uh, of my buddy threw together. It's called Worst Day Ever. It's basically where filmmakers talk about yeah. the, the their worst experiences. And it's more kind of like kind of like narrative where a person's just telling a story. There's not like this back and forth talk. The mm. person themselves is just telling a story and they put sound effects and everything. It's really well done. That's great. Uh, I just did mine recently, uh, yeah. obviously, because I have obvious ones. Yeah. Yeah. And the next yeah. one. Yeah. I was going to say, it must, <laughs> have been a, it must have been a fucking epic. You might bring me that. But I highly recommend look for uh, uh, Worst Day Ever. It's, uh, it's a pretty good podcast. Radical. Very cool, man. All right, well, well before we go... Um, what's what's next with the with the films that you guys have? Uh, like, uh, is it is it going to continue the festival circuit? Will it eventually end up online? Are they proof of concepts? Like, what's the deal? 
Uh, so yeah, haunted vagina. We're still relatively new into the festival run. Yeah. We only finished it in March, so we've still got quite a bit to go. Uh, yeah, there's a few more to hit next year. Um, and we've been chatting to some of our kind of terrestrial channels back in the UK, uh, some of the online streaming services. They're quite interested in it. So hopefully it's going to have a life afterwards. If not, I feel like we've got a good chance of like, you know, short of the week or something like that. Yeah. Like it's really good fun. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the plan is we'll do another year or so, uh, help <laughs> the festivals and then look to kind of give it some sort of life after. Uh, but yeah, and we're going into prep as well now for our next short, which we're shooting early next year, which is a proper creature horror. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be really cool. Uh, nice. And yeah, so yeah, that's us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's it really. <laughs> Congratulations. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Don't worry. Congratulations. Yeah. So we're actually uh, right at the end of our uh, circuit on the film festival. Like, we, we did it backwards. We got a, uh, on a streamer first and then, then we did all the festivals. Right, because you guys are on Hulu. We're on Hulu. So, yeah, so um, that's where it's going to spend the rest of his life after I think it's got like maybe two or three more. Um, we've got a really big uh, UK shorts film festival coming up next week, I think, called mm-hmm. Aesthetica Film Festival. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. That's great. That's uh, impressive. Yeah. It is notoriously quite hard to get into. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we were really surprised because our film is icky and it's got dick and fart jokes. So. And tell the audience the name of the film again. Oh yeah, it's called the, it's called the Heritage. The Heritage. Yeah, yeah. So Playing today, eight p.m. for anyone who's in Bravo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and those of you who are at home and listening to this, this is one of the few shorts you probably just dial right into Hulu and check out yeah, right yeah, now. Exactly. So yeah. the Heritage is. But, uh, for myself, I've got a few more short. I'm literally filming a short next week when I fly home, um, which is more of a drama piece. And then I've won some funding for a found footage horror, which I'm going to do next next Jan. Yeah. I just did a whole episode um, with the cinematographer for the recent VHS found footage movie mm, thing, nice. which you might find interesting. I haven't seen that latest VHS yet. Yeah, yeah. We talk about the art of trying to tell stories with found footage and yeah. not having it boring. So. A very interestingly, uh, I can't remember what the film was. The student block yesterday, but it, uh, they referred to theirs as an analog hmm. horror instead of a found footage. Mm-hmm. Oh, there was kind of found footage, but they were going through like VHS tapes and stuff. I thought yeah. that was quite a cool take on. Yeah, that's a big thing. That's a big nerdy thing right now is like processing VHS and then encoding VHS and then doing effects in the VHS. And that's mm. a pretty big deal right now. We call it dad cam stuff. Like <laughs> my, uh, my fiance, Gina, she's a um, fashion photographer and she also does music videos and stuff. And she did the video content for that Robert Pattinson GQ cover. And so mm-hmm. she got specifically hired to go in with her dad cam content. <laughs> Very cool. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. What's up with your film, man? Uh, well, it's uh, Alone will be playing tomorrow at the 5 o'clock for people who are watching nearby. But uh, it, it's we're, we're trying to put it into maybe some more festivals. Um, you know, it's kind of at the beginning. We just decided, like, you know, this year, like, hey, let's submit. You know, it was around, you know, I think uh, September. I was like, yeah, let's just submit it. Or August, probably. And now we're probably going to do a little bit more mm-hmm. based off this. Um, we submitted to, uh, 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 what is it? Um, Slam Dance. We'll see. You know, that one's always a crapshoot. You never it know. It is, yeah. Um, Any of the dances are pretty. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, along with that, though, it's like, it was kind of made as this kind of one thing. There was never like for this contest, it was never meant to kind of do anything other than that. But that, and when we won, we were like, okay, maybe maybe we could do something else with it. And <clears throat> now that it actually got here, we're going to see probably more. But we also saw it as kind of a proof of concept for us, the sequel to a feature that we've written. Because now everything, when you're 
pitching to studios that's like, okay, where's the what's the franchise? And I mm-hmm. have this concept for like kind of like a anthology horror series all set in like one location kind of thing. Um, and I thought like this could be the second one, you know, and that would really be a huge jump and people seeing like, oh wow, like they went from this house to space, you know, and then each yeah. one could go there. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, like I'm just trying to get like my own feature work uh, going. I, I, I think it was after the, the pickup, this huge car chase action movie. And then even alone where I was just like, okay, I think I'm done trying to prove myself with short films. I feel the same way. Yep. <clears throat> and yep. I feel the so, same way. So I decided to over the next year, I'm now going to going to hopefully shoot a, a, a feature, hopefully literally a year from now. That's by October or September uh, uh, is my plan to, Hopefully, shoot my first feature. I'm. I have a script I'm writing right now as a possibility. Great. Uh, if it, if it's not that one, I have another script that we're pushing out to people to see studios and everything. Uh, and then there's another one that I've been waiting on financing. That's kind of like not so much a found footage, but like a faux doc, um, kind of like a crime, you know, crime, true crime kind of thing, uh, but a faux sto- faux doc kind of approach. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're just. I'm just trying to at least get something going now because at this point. You know, some of my friends are some people who are working for like, you know, directing Disney Plus series. Sure, and, sure. You know, some others are directing like feature films and have big superhero movies. And I'm just like, you know what? I I need to get there. But I saw how they did that was by they made a feature at least or they made mm-hmm. something that got picked up. But, you know, that's always that's the hard luck part. of the draw. That's you the never know. But at least the feature situation is like I can control that. So I'm hoping to meet some people here who like are interested in maybe producing, helping, you know, if they're interested. Um, and, you know, especially the films I like to make, which are always about strong female characters. So I, I really lean towards that. And uh, so, it sounds like you're leaning in the right direction right now. I mean, yeah, yeah. I've, I've done that even before it was cool. <laughs> and I was like, when even then I was just like, see, yeah, everyone loves these movies. And cause, it's, always, it's always been cool. Yeah, it's all, oh, yeah. See that. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I mean. Before people start realizing how yeah. cool it is, like, and being like, oh, look how we, it's so cool. Now we got Katniss. What about Ripley? Yeah. We had Ripley, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. That's great, man. That's great. Well, thank you, everybody, for sorry, being here. Sorry, can I just do a quick yes. plug? I'm really sorry. So, I just remembered we have a project live on Center Frame. Oh. Called, yeah. Called, yeah. <laughs> well I, I know, I know. We're really turned on today. Um, and, yeah, if anyone's on Center Frame, please, like, check it out. Why are you laughing? You said on the podcast we're really turned on today. That's <laughs> <laughs> the face you made. You said, I meant switched what? on. I meant switched on. Okay. Someone needs more lag. caffeine. It's the jet lag. Sure. This, no, is, but yes. this from the haunted vagina, ladies. Yeah, yeah. We're all about the vajayjays. No, um, I've made Katie laugh now. I'm so sorry. If you are on Center Frame, uh, yeah. I, I think it closes quite soon. But yeah, we've got a really cool uh, queer visceral body horror short about uh, female empowerment, body autonomy called The Lovers. Uh, and it's a really great new take on Tara. Katie's written it and is going to direct it. It's beautiful. Um, and yeah, it just takes Tara and turns it into like such a positive, empowering force mm. for uh, LGBTQIA plus people, for women. Like it's stunning. So if anyone is a member, it's open to voting for members and we would really love to get to make it. So please give us a vote or at least have a look. Uh, and if you don't like it, you don't have to vote for it. But watch our bloopers at the end of the pitch uh, video and you'll get much more chaos like what you've oh seen on God. this podcast. Uh, or, or what you've heard on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Switched what, on, okay. what we've seen on this <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right, all right. Everybody shut up. We're done. Thank you so much for being on the show. Much appreciated. Thank you very much. Thank you you so much. It's been a lot of fun talking to all of you. So I'm happy to know you and I'm happy that we're kind of friends now. I can say. Here's to more beers in the only bar in Provo later. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, my liver needs it. (laughs) All right, gang. So uh, that's it. Thank you for uh, tuning in.
Uh, day seven is on the way tomorrow. Uh, we may, I'm almost verified, but we may have a celebrity guest on Friday. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes. So we will let you guys know. And thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you later. I'm going to leave you with uh, Mitch Murder and the cover of The Cure. So I'm out. Thanks. Bye.